Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the No More Wasted Days podcast. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Mr. James Banks. Glad to be here, Liam. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad to have you on. I've been wanting to have you on for a while. Um, I think out of all the guests that I've had on, uh, and this is no slight to other guests, uh, you probably have the most to say. I think you're the most, one of the most introspective persons, persons, peoples. Yeah, I had a... They did a strengths finder test thing with work and intellection <laughs> and like introspection was my number one strength. I was pretty cynical about it because it was like choose two things like that were kind of unrelated. And I was like, I'm both or I'm neither. But then in the end, it was actually pretty, pretty good. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, you've done you've done more shit in your life than I think the vast majority of people you've done more shit in the first 26 years of your life <laughs> than I think most people do in their entire lives. Depends what you kind of shit, I guess. But in terms of traveling, yeah, I think even with coronavirus, I'm kind of, I can't really complain. Even if I never <laughs> traveled again, like, you know, and living in BC anyway, it doesn't really matter. So, Well, I think it, it brings, it brings a perspective on the world that most people don't have. Like one of the things you've mentioned in the past is how like sort of egocentric like North Americans are and how like what we experience is like we consider the world right yeah. you know we're such like i don't know if i use the word egocentric properly there but <laughs> <laughs> what did i what did i say what what's making you what prompted this i don't know just thinking about how like you have like a completely dis- different perspective from all the cultures you've been around and just your general interest in culture yeah like, and just from being a weirdo <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. that that just comes with being cultured, I think. <laughs> That's what culture is. It's just weird weirdness. It's just, it's just yeah. Acceptable weirdness between different between different groups. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's actually probably a good way of putting it, not to, you know, toot my own introspection horn. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see, I mean, I see the world in a particular way, but the lens that I'm seeing the world is... You know, I lived in Hong Kong for the first five years of my life, but that was, you know, that's not, those aren't your formative years. Yeah. I've lived my entire life in this area, right? And I haven't done a whole lot of, I haven't experienced other cultures, let's say. Well, I'd say, I don't know. Yeah, in some ways, the first five years aren't your most most formative, but also they, they kind of can be. I mean, in some ways, it doesn't matter where you are, but who you're with. Yeah. So, like, you know, like I learned about language acquisition and how important the first like even before you're born you're already kind of learning a language so um even in your first like five years just i think like the things you see and you know i think you don't recognize it until you get older but like just the way your parents act and the way they are as much as you might not want to be your parents or whatever it's like you can't help but kind of become them in those first five years it's like that's what you're doing when you're a baby and i think that's why we think they're really cute well some people do in, in some ways, when they're being cute, they're cute, you know, because they're just like so like curious and they're like looking around and they feel like, they're, you know, they seem like they're so open. And that's like literally what they're doing, you know, and like your reaction to what they're doing is like what they learn so much. So in a lot of ways, we kind of it's hard to choose your own destiny because of those first few years when you're totally at the whim of people raising you. Maybe that's why farts are so funny. <laughs> Wait, how <have> <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like going, going down this deep rabbit hole of like <laughs> how you like get totally like morphed into like your parents and then i just like maybe that's why farts are funny because when the baby farts it's funny and then parents <laughs> laugh and then the baby laughs and then they're like you know right yeah no my my sister just had a kid oh really um when uh six weeks ago oh i think so I've, I've met him a couple times and uh it's weird just like watching him like take everything in he's not a crier he like complains about stuff like yeah but he'll cry for like maybe 30 seconds at a time but he's yeah. like, like if you're holding him away he's just, <laughs> um that's maybe. good i think i think babies cry more I don't know. I think, I think we, like in terms of our society, I think like the way we raise babies is so weird that they're so sheltered. Like if you think about how few babies you see, but how many babies are actually out there in the world, it's like, <laughs> you know, you see a baby and it's like, whoa, it's a baby. I mean, unless, especially if you're not a parent, like when do you really see, like you don't even see other parents' babies or anything. Anyway, the point is that I think just the way they're raised changes so much about the way they act, like how much they cry. Like when I was, um, you you saw one of these pictures actually um do you remember this picture from the the one of those blogs i sent you i don't know maybe you didn't see it anyway i was in this place in india and like in the mountains and they put on just a small village put on their own um they call them ramlila it's like the ramayana it's like it's kind of like so we have these like iliad homer books here it's kind of like that but an indian epic or like classic like it's everyone knows the story anyway just the small village themselves put on a whole production like a theater and a stage and everything and all the people acting are just local people the only people really from outside are um a few of the people who would bring these kind of books and they sort of like read the lines quietly and then the people (laughs) on the stage will like recite it (laughs) anyway and there's like the whole village not only do they put it on but they also witness it so there's like all these kids and it goes like really late into night until like three in the morning like i honestly i'm like trying to stay up and i'm like i'm just like dying and there's like this one-year-old kid just like watching it and like none there's no crying at all i didn't think about that for the first so this goes on for like 14 days too it's like a two-week crazy thing i didn't see the whole thing but after like i think it was like on the third day i heard a baby kind of go like like make a little noise and then i was like i haven't heard anything like that all this time and because like i don't have kids right you know it's not like something i thought about until i heard that and then i was like all this time hundreds of kids no crying at all like it's really different i think because they're in some ways because they're raising their kids in that environment with these bigger families and just more of the communities there it's like all the kids can entertain each other they have these kind of networks of mm-hmm. you know it's just kind of different than if you're in the, if you grow up in this environment as a baby and like you may mainly live with two people just your parents so yeah um um yeah uh it's interesting i wonder if it's because they're like not as coddled like there's the community aspect for sure like you know letting other people take care of your kids like trusting other people to take care of your kids and i imagine in smaller communities like that you know it was a smaller-ish community like obviously it wasn't like a yeah oh it was really small like it's vancouver like, is but like yeah like you know i like imagine 300 people most of those people grow up with each other so they trust each other to like you know what's that was that number like 157 or something like that there's a, a term for it um i think it's like pascal's number or something that's like the number of people that you can reasonably have like a true relationship oh, with yeah um and it's kind of based on like the sizes of like what how big um tribes of people used to be like in africa when we were 
evolving, right? Like that's that's the maximum size that they would get, right? Right. They could be smaller, bigger. Yeah. Well, it's like then. I mean, it's so much expenditure of like brain power if you have to maintain relationships with more people than that. So. Yeah. And it's just it's just difficult. Yeah, I think it's. I don't know. I mean, it's. I feel like here you just see so many less like kids and families just doing and th- just like just doing anything really like it's just really weird it's hard to explain like even in greece for example like you'll go like let's say here like you go to like the pork equitlam main street or whatever you know and there's people around and you're kind of seeing a range but like in a lot of places you'd go and you'd see like the whole kind of not really the whole community but just like a whole a subsample of like different demographics so you'll see like little kids and old people like really old people and young parents and teenagers and kind of all these people and they're not necessarily even interacting with each other but in their kind of stratified like age demographics just like just like kind of doing their own thing like yeah. and it's really different than here i feel like you don't you just don't really see that like if you see kids they're kind of like in in their special like soccer field area or uh, i don't know in the special park which is like cordoned yeah, off in some way it's just yeah or... it's like it's a really different thing like you don't really have kids just like running around people look at you know. funny if you're like a man at a park like if, you, if you're like a father and you're taking your kid to the playground people like i've heard people be like it's uncomfortable for me to take my kid to a playground because like people don't like men at playgrounds and like if your kid falls and like you want to go help them like people give you the side eye <laughs> like they don't trust you around their kids and you know that's probably an aspect of just living in such a large community but like I mean, yeah, I think we also just totally coddle our kids too much. This is coming from someone who doesn't have a kid and, and like, mm. could very well, once I have a kid, if I have a kid, just end up being, like, the most, like, coddling <laughs> helicopter parent. parent. Yeah. Like, I mean, I hope that wouldn't be me. But, uh, you know, I imagine, you know, in India, you know, they don't have as many creature comforts as we do here, right? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on the class, like. Well, Obviously. where you were, I guess. Yeah. yeah, well, like in the case I was saying with the, the village. Yeah, I mean, it's totally different. But they, but I mean, I'm not going to say these people, like I'm not going to say what they think or feel necessarily. But I know that in a general sense, like people, I mean, you could say creature comforts, but also the social atmosphere is really creature comfort in a way mm-hmm. too. Like if you think about it, like for us, like you think of creature comfort and you think of, you know, comfortable chair and, yeah. and stuff like that. And they also would, would like, most people would think of that also but you know then they like live in a case where you're just like let's say especially now with coronavirus you're just like living on your own or just with a couple of people and it's like whoa like where am i like i'm not going to go out and see my friends or i don't know that kind of those social networks can also be very comforting in a way but also really suffocating i think so yeah no that uh that aspect of community is something that i think is very lacking in western culture uh, maybe people don't appreciate enough or something, but like w- one of the, one of the best, what one of the best signifiers of whether or not someone's going to be depressed is how many connections they have with other people, right? Right. Because you need to have those connections, and we live in this world where it's really easy to not have personal connections with a lot of people, especially with like. Yeah. I watched the the social dilemma recently on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't learn anything new. It was like all stuff, like everything that they say you already know, but just kind of like watching it and having it laid out with like all like the people who invented this shit talking about <laughs> it is super fucked up. 
it's just yeah. you know just talking about how like kids these days like they're not getting their driver's licenses they're not you know they're not having romantic relationships they don't take risks this and that and the other thing is just like you know it's just like a pacifier you know that, that term is used a lot as far as phones and social media goes but you know yeah i really th- i think it really is like no, I think it's harder to like to organize people and just yourselves and I mean it really yeah I guess I don't know pacifying is kind of a word but I'm sort of in a dilemma of like trying to not I don't know I feel like everything in life is kind of a paradox like I can always look <laughs> at it from two sides so, like on the one side what you said basically that's saying I'm thinking just like really worrying and like oh like lack of independence lack of privacy lack of risk you know a whole bunch of things but then on the other hand I don't know, there's sort of another view that, I don't know if it's, op- it's not really optimistic, it's more just like, sort of nihilistic almost, just like, well, this is the way the world is right now, and it's really unique, and as troubling as it is at the other side of things, it's like, it's also very comfortable, basically, it's like, <laughs> like, there's definitely struggles, and, you know, and things, it seems like will get worse in a lot of ways, but also... I mean, on the grand scheme of things, like if you were going to roll the dice again and live another <laughs> life and it would be anything any human has lived, I mean, it's like this is a pretty, we kind of hit the lottery in some ways. So it's kind of, you can like complain about that, but also it's just really interesting because we have access to so much knowledge. Like for me, I like to think and I like to learn things. And if without like, you know, with the internet and thing, and libraries and stuff, it's just amazing that like I wouldn't be who I am without those things. And those things are also a byproduct of this pacifying kind of example so yeah and I, I i agree with that you know i think there's never been a better time to be alive you know like we got all this information but like you didn't get a smartphone until like what two or three years ago three <laughs> uh two two years ago yeah two and a half yeah just you, over two years ago you stuck to that flip fo- flip phone <laughs> well i had the flip phone and then i had an iphone 3 which technically is a smartphone but i didn't it couldn't it didn't do anything except text and call so it doesn't really count like even the internet didn't really work um like i don't think i i know it's kind of weird though because it does feel like i've used this current like smartphone that actually works for longer than that it's weird how that's another thing like we just adapt so quickly which is our greatest strength and in some ways like our greatest weakness or like source of our greatest i don't know anxiety in some way that we just get get used to things so quickly see i don't think i don't think like smartphones and technology as a whole are a bad thing. I think those are they're definitely useful tools that could allow people to expand their minds and expand human knowledge if they're used, right? Um, yeah. Correctly, if they're used correctly and with a purpose. And one of the analogies that someone made on uh, on the, the social dilemma was it's a tool, but most tools are only used when you choose to use them right like a hammer just sits there until you need to hammer something and then you go grab the hammer (laughs) whereas with smartphones they're now calling to you right notifications all that and that's like that's where the pacification comes from is that a word (laughs) i don't know that's a word (laughs) i think so well pacifying you mean as in like it's not uh, it just calls to you and then like it shuts off any thought that you're having and you're like okay i need to see and there's like one of the things in psychology is the best way to get a reaction out of something. The best way to do positive reinforcement is uh, 
random rewards, but not knowing if there's going to be a reward associated with it, if that makes sense. So like uh, having, so there, there's this thing, it's called, um, it was an experiment, I think it was an experiment called, um, the, the colloquial term is superstitious pigeons. Or not colloquial term, but they call it superstitious. That's the professional pigeon. scientific term. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what the that's what the experiment was referred to, where they had a bunch of pigeons in cages, right? And uh, they all the pigeons had uh, seeds that would drop at random times, just completely at random, right? And across all these cages, over time these pigeons would start developing really weird habits. Like one would be extending one week out and bring it back in and one would be like bobbing and one would be crouching and sitting, like sitting back up and standing up because they do an action and sometimes they get a reward for doing it. And they build this connection in their brain that they get a reward for doing this thing. Whereas it's only sometimes they're doing that. And for whatever reason, like if you tell a dog to sit and you give it a treat every time you think that's the best way to do it right right but the best way to do it is it's never actually going to know if it's going to get a treat yeah right <laughs> and that's what you know social media is right you get no notification and you don't know if it's going to be like a like a really great thing like someone tagged you in a photo and it's a really happy memory and this and, or it's just like some New sale that the Senza girl. Honestly, that's actually really, that's super interesting. But it, like, I mean, when you're talking about that, though, all I'm thinking about going back to culture is that that's, that's just, that's how culture has always been. Now think about it. If you're talking about birds doing weird things because they don't know if it's going to result in something. Well, if you think about all kinds of rituals, if you think about all kind of cultural practices, like people do things. I mean, nowadays, our, we can make our everything much more predictable. We can say, well, if I put this much, you know, water and sunlight into this particular crop, you know, as long as all variables are the same, I know exactly how much I'll get and whatever. I mean, you think in the past, people didn't know what the mm -hmm. next season was going to bring. They didn't know how the harvest was going to be. Um, you know, things about weather. They didn't know as much about how anything worked, really. So they're coming up with explanations and like, oh, well, you know, last year, like, so-and-so got married and we didn't think that they should have gotten married because they're from two different families. And then we had this horrible drought. So, you know, you shouldn't have people from the, you know, uh, I don't know, the leaf family and the tree family, like, get married because look at what's going to happen. And then you create these taboos. And that's, in a lot of ways, that's like, that's what happens. And you think about, like, weird dresses that people like what we think of as weird you know let's say like some i don't know like polynesian thing they might wear a particular leaf or i don't know and it looks kind of weird like oh well what's what's that like for and then or something yeah like just like accessories and yeah neck all kinds of headdresses you know all kinds of things and you know we have them here and, and stuff as well but like you know and you might you know you might ask like oh well why do you wear that and of course largely it's just like fashion but also there's usually some kind of story in some mm -hmm. way where it's like oh well um you know this signifies like you know our plentiful water that we get from from the creek mm -hmm. or something like that and you know and it seems kind of strange strange maybe but it's like it it makes sense in a lot of ways because even if people don't know exactly if that's the relationship between those things like let's say between a particular dance and then like having a good crop or something like that it's like you still know that there's a function that it's still fun to dance and dress up and pretty good you know dance. I like that. and that kind of thing right <laughs> but otherwise it's like you know well maybe you know it'll it'll create something fortunate in the future or what but i think that's i don't know that that's actually really interesting so like again looking in that way it's like 
you kind of see today's world as really similar to the past yeah but i guess i guess the big thing big thing like specifically like all those things you just listed they were done with purpose right i think a lot of what's going on nowadays especially with social media is people do things without purpose there's this concept of killing time right and I've come to the conclusion, like, especially for my own anxieties, that, like, you should never be killing time, right? You should never <laughs> yeah. be... Anything you do should be done with purpose. If you are going to be on Facebook, be on Facebook, right? Don't just mindlessly scroll, right? You know, if you're going to watch a movie, watch that movie. Engage with that movie, right? Right. Well, I think... I mean, you could also kind of, that could make you a little bit of a robot, though, where it's kind of like, I'm not going to do that thing because I don't get any mechanical use out of it. And I think, like, not really disagreeing with you, but saying yes and, it's like, <laughs> you. it's good to have that purpose. But I think also, like, a universal principle to, like, your life and existence. I mean, I think I'd agree with you that we don't really have that. And it's kind of like, why am I here on this earth? I don't know and it's like what's my purpose here and then and you're like I don't know and it's like what do I do on this earth and you're like well shit I mean the planet's like all I see all the time is that it's like climate change and this and that and then you look around you know like that's all I'm doing is changing the climate you know and it's like creates all these anxieties so it's like we don't have that same yeah we don't have this kind of overarching principle usually it'd be something religious but not always I mean you could also think of um, other markers of identity or like even national you know maybe like oh well like I'm you know American, so like you know it's important that the constitution is in this way and i'm american which means free speech and blah 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 so principled in in that way but i think we in a lot of ways that people don't quite have that like we're constantly sort of needing to compromise our our principles a lot because we have to kind of make them ourselves like they're not really brought down to us from from an institution it's amazing how easy it is for people to not change their principles like but walk around them for very specific things yeah you know like you know usually people's principles will be developed like either in line with their parents or totally opposite from their parents (laughs) right (laughs) um but then something will come up like i'll see someone saying something like uh all these social justice warriors you know they need to calm down and settle down and this that and the other thing and then they'll turn around and be like, look at this picture that H&M put up of a black kid wearing a shirt saying coolest <laughs> monkey in the jungle. That's so incredibly fra- racist and short-sighted and, like, absolutely exploding. <laughs> but, like, the same day talking about how, like, social justice warriors are absolute batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think in that case, though, n- not that I'm – I mean, inter- just talking about principles, though, I think – just because you have a principle doesn't mean that you're a saint and just because you're <laughs> and just because you have prince of one principle or something governing your life doesn't mean it's really holistic and takes into account everything so like your principle could just you know you could be thinking your principle could be like you know this anti-racism kind of thing so then you know if you see something that makes you think that oh well, this actually isn't aligning with my principle like you know you shouldn't be associating black people and monkeys that's racist and then they're making that association so in a way they're actually acting principle like with principle so i don't know but 
I don't know. It kind of complicates our our discussion, though. I think because like, <laughs> then, then it's like, okay, well, you need more. But does it mean you need more than one principle, or do you need like a, a whole stable kind of set of I don't know, set of principles sort of that make something bigger? That I don't know. I think the key is to have one or two broad-reaching principles. Nothing that n- nothing that's written like specifically but something you can go back on and like you know not go not go back on but something you can refer to (laughs) i guess you know like be kind right like challenge ideas but be kind disagree with people but be kind like it's it's so simple (laughs) but i feel like a lot of that is lost and just uh, seeing the shitstorm and the hate spewing <laughs> online nowadays is just like it's crazy. But I mean, it you yeah. know, be kind is just a very weak-minded like like just an example off the top of my head. Like, right. Yeah. You know, like um, I mean, I've said this a million times. My my principle is like, uh, I've, well, I've got two principles. One is no more wasted days do what I can to fill my life up with as much stuff that makes me happy as I can. Uh, and the other is, uh, I guess have as little negative impact on this world as I can, you know? Right. Yeah. Those are, I think those are good, good principles. You know, like if I can, if I can affect, if I can affect one person positively, from everything I do, then that that will make me. That's 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 what I want. So okay. if 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 people have, you know, not necessarily those principles, but you know, in that sense, just like something that will affect can easily be applied to any decision you make, right? Yeah. How do you, given those two principles, how do you know if you're abiding by them or achieving them? Like do you keep track of that somehow like every day you're like oh did i live by these principles or well i mean as far as the no more wasted days one yes i do i actually just wrote a, wrote a blog post about it yesterday so what do you do um well i mean i know if i didn't do anything that day uh and i hate <laughs> but <how>? myself for it <laughs> how though um well like you know there's you know there's some things that i can do that will like leave me a, a, a more educated a more uh, a more educated a stronger uh person uh someone who has had a positive effect on someone so like uh did i write my blog did i do a podcast did i go to jujitsu did i exercise did i hang out with friends and make people laugh did i leave people with a positive experience that they can draw on in the future right right things like that cool um yeah, I'm not like challenged. I'm just, I'm just curious though. No, that's, that's like, fine. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes, because you know, that's just what I've heard. From, you know, where it's kind of like you have to set. You know, it's kind of like you got to kind of set a goal, or else how do you know if you've achieved it, sort of? But this is like in a smaller kind of uh, kind of scope. But yeah, I just think for me personally, I think it's nice. Like how I work, sort of. It's nice to like have. a I'm not saying I do actually do this, but I know like when I'm, when I'm happy or whatever, it's like when I'm 
think about explicitly like let's say it was those two things like no more wasted days okay so like to, like every day let's just say it'd be like okay well i have to write you know like okay how did i not waste today or if mm-hmm. i did how or why or whatever and then the other one like be don't be a what was the other one don't be kind uh, don't, don't don't leave the world oh yeah like leave it, it a better place yeah, yeah. Well, kind of i don't want to be like leave it a better place but like <laughs> don't have a negative impact right right yeah i mean your goals are actually very or your these two things whatever they are are actually very pacifistic <laughs> so you think about it because it's kind of like it's not it's like yeah it's like don't leave it a worse place it's kind of like not touching it and also like no more wasted days as in like what did i do myself sort of not that i mean again it's yeah. not like a critique it's just sort of interesting though to think about how different people it's mostly because i'm terrified of death, death. <laughs> and i know that uh you know people our age aren't terribly aware of their own mortality you know it's really easy when you're 16 or 26 and probably even 36 to just like yeah completely forget that death is a thing especially when you live in the society that we live in where nobody ever dies anymore <laughs> like not well yeah i mean but just it's not it's not exposed really widely yeah i read this stat recently where it's like every what is it every day or something or i don't know every year or something in the united states like no i think every I can't remember the exact number, but I, I remember I think the annual rate was like four million people die every year in the United States. And it was just like th- three or four million or something, which is like, whoa. Like we're kind of not, that's something we're like not equipped to have. <laughs> Your 157 <laughs> social connections. Like, yeah, when you hear it, it's like, I don't know. And that's, you know. That's uh, that's something I have to think about. I have something I haven't thought about in a long time is that like in a hundred years, there's going to be seven billion dead people. <laughs> yeah it's a little weird it's kind of like a like a snake skin thing it's right. like well i know in like a hundred years all the people currently alive are going to be dead just like you know in almost all of them anyways you know in like 10 years or whatever like you know all my skin is going to be replaced it's like yeah. that same kind of thing yeah, like seven years every cell in your body is a different cell i don't think that's true because nerve cells are their own thing nerve cells are very like your brain isn't replacing itself that's not how brains work <laughs> right yeah i mean it's like the classic jason and the argonauts thing right but, I, mean, I don't know about i've heard it it's like if if he if they leave with a boat like they uh, embark from from the shore and then they they replace every piece of the boat by the time they get to the other side of the sea let's say mm-hmm. is it the same boat or is it a new boat <laughs> <laughs> that's like it's like one of the i don't know i think that's in philosophy i don't know it's one of those intro kind of it's like discussions but like it's just kind of like how do you define and delineate what something is like what yeah. makes it that is it its physical apparatus or is it the it's values history. attributed to it or history or yeah it's like when you go to the tower of london and you're, london, you're like this is gonna be so cool i'm gonna go to castle and, this, and then you go inside and there's running water and electricity and hardwood floors and like <laughs> <laughs> everything and you're like everything's in like glass case and you're like yeah i guess this makes sense that they would do this because you know we have the technology to preserve everything <laughs> and everything's like everything's been rebuilt since like the 1960s right yeah somehow somehow a lot of it survived the bombing of london like somehow <laughs> right um yeah there's a lot of buildings like that all over the world you know where it's like oh this building is this old but it's like it's not really but yeah. it's like i mean that's pretty much every, i mean there's some things that were literally totally rebuilt like in warsaw for example it's like a, there's a lot of old buildings but they were actually all rebuilt after the second world war but in some of them they could build it like exactly how it used to look and sometimes used um old materials but then that's the case for even like a lot of ancient structures it's kind of like a 
thing they don't talk about but you know if you go to like an ancient site they'll be like oh this is like two thousand years old this is exactly where you know socrates sat or something and it's like oftentimes it's like it's not really yeah so yeah yeah um i think about that a lot with like because if you go to like if you go to like an actual thing that like like an actual ruins they're called ruins for a reason like it's just like a pile of rocks right and they're like this is where uh such and such conquered such and such and like well it's a bunch of rocks covered in grass (laughs) (laughs) yeah um there's this uh there's this place in myanmar or burma called bagan and it's like you might have seen pictures where it's like there's like a bunch of these temples with these spires like kind of in this plains kind of looking area and you see sometimes all these hot air balloons is like a bit of a popular thing there anyway there was like a lot of controversy there because it's they're about a thousand years old 900 or 2000 years old these temples it was it used to be a huge city but it's the only buildings that they made with stone were temples it was just really common in southeast asia and south asia but anyway but recently the government's been like restoring them but there's faced a lot of scrutiny from unesco and stuff because they they use like plaster and all these like modern techniques mm. and there's and there's like a golf course that like goes through the area and oh, so no. so it's kind of like <laughs> yeah, how do you how do you preserve up a, a place right there's kind of like different views of it like on the one hand you should kind of leave it exactly as it is on the other hand it's like maybe we should restore it a little bit trying to use kind of original techniques and on the other hand it's like well why do we have to leave it kind of as just as ruin why not sort of respect it by kind of rebuilding it in some way it, it yeah, I mean, I'm, the bag end example is it's not really the best example for this because it's like it it it's not really a good job what they've done and most people don't like it. But yeah, yeah, it's just sort of interesting, like a different case where it's like super obvious. Like you go, like you'd go into some of these like old temples and it's like clear it's been like redone like a year before, like a brand new wall, like with this plaster and just like the like the, the guy, the, like construction guys doing it, like you can see that it wasn't like a classical technique and it's like brand new kind of just like sort of shoddy like worshipmanship of like you know a procession or something like that oh really yeah (laughs) oh my god imagine like some like um like unskilled laborer showing up and like and today you're gonna write like pages 75 to like 81 of the quran on this wall And you're like, uh, I'm not really an expert in that. I just know how to you know, put this plaster on. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's actually, there's, um, there's a old temple in India too. Actually, I saw this recently on YouTube. It's, re- it's kind of interesting. So like, it was restored. I think in the twenties. This temple, really, like probably about a thousand years old. And there's a pillar where there's a guy on a bicycle now. So they're, they're, on each pillar, they'd have different figures. It'd be like some gods and goddesses or saints, musicians, architects, kings, all different kinds of things. And on one of them, though, kind of hidden in this little shadow, there's this guy clearly on a bike. And so there's kind of this this thing, like even on YouTube, there's this, you know, some guy has a channel and he's like, a bike thousands of years ago? Did we have that in India? But it's like, it's known that it was some kind of labor there who did it. But it's just interesting to have these facts or stories, yeah. falsities, or whatever, like get passed and pedaled along. And I gotta say, it's actually, it looks pretty, pretty good the way the guy did it on the bike. Like it looks pretty <laughs> classical. Like it's not really like a, like it's kind of the same two D kind of way they like did it. Kind of like think like Egyptian style, but like a little more three D. Yeah. And like, yeah, but like he didn't like totally change the style. Like it's almost like a modern. What's the word? Like a like a blend or like a syncretic kind of. You know, it's like a bit of a modern. It's like an old look but a modern thing um i don't know 
My brain goes to retro futuristic, but that's not. What <laughs> I don't think so. No. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I can't remember the word. Um, yeah, one of the things I noticed when I uh, like when I went to England and when I watch shows that take place in England is like, I always look at the way that like English houses are laid out and like English like townhomes and living quarters and stuff are laid out. They're always garbage. Like they're they're like poorly planned for like optimizing space. Right, it's like you got like. But I mean, that's the way you are thinking of optimizing space. But like, it's just like there's too many hallways, kind of thing, right? Like, it's <laughs> that's just not like, just an English thing though. We used to do that here, uh, like older houses here. But uh, sorry, go. <laughs> uh, um, and like you know, houses they always look kind of like, like in London, I'd always see houses that look just kind of like a little shoddy. I'm like, what's going on? But then I realized, like, talking to my friend, like, after the. Uh, bombing of london they had a lot of people that needed homes so they just threw up a bunch of homes like without it you know i imagine like they weren't like sitting there being like how are we going to make this thing last for as long as possible (laughs) we just need to make houses and uh one of the most interesting things i experienced was when i was in france there's lots of roads that you drive down where in one side everything's like from like the 1700s and on the other side, it's like post nineteen fifty. Yeah, it's like just the effect that war has on all those monuments and everything. Right, it's really, really cool. But yeah, like just I remember being like a little bummed when I went to the when when I went to the Tower of London. I never actually went into the tower. So you mean like, the Tower of London is shoddy and has too many hallways? <laughs> it's like really poorly laid out. Yeah, Everything's really small. The Queen is just like in there and everyone's like, Oh my god, it's the Queen. You're just like Pfft. He's like, Look at this, the Queen has too many hallways too. <laughs> She's like offending the Queen. <laughs> did you see the crown jewels when you were there? I did actually. Yeah. It was uh, That was that was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, we didn't actually go into the actual like place with all the torture and everything though because my friend was like ah let's just get going i was like but we're, we, that's the place that you go when you're doing tourist <laughs> shit you go where see where people were put it in boxes and like um like we saw some places where people were tortured but like i think you had to get like actual tours through it yeah i, I don't know when i don't really remember that when i was there i remember because that's like what the tower of london was, was like oh right actually yeah that's true like that and it was just like all all different yeah. torture devices and stuff and like um yeah no i did see some of that yeah actually i remember that but well i think i mean it's so old i think it was probably used for multiple things because it's it's kind of funny yeah how they like keep treasures and like i don't think it was just a prison because it was so like i think well i, I don't really know i'm gonna make this up i think mm-hmm. it was probably in a lot of cities had like a fortified center because then they could always retreat there in case mm-hmm. of attack and stuff which was in the tower of london but then probably over time i guess when the city expanded, they could you turn it into a really fortified prisoner to keep people in, even. And then over time, it became a bit of a blended thing. And now today, and then obviously the wasn't used as a, as a prison. And yeah, it was I just it was just that one specific tower mm-hmm. that I think was where it was. Um, but yeah, they had like a, a zoo where they had like all the animals <laughs> from around the world. Um, it was it was living in like north america and specifically the west coast being like one of the last places that has basically been colonized um you see like a building that was built in like 1890 and you're like holy fuck that's an old building (laughs) i mean you probably don't because you've been to like a bunch of places but like you go anywhere else in the world there's old shit 
Yeah. Like there's old shit. Like there's there's a it's like most buildings are like pre twentieth century in England. <laughs> yeah, England. Well, actually, Europe in general has a lot yeah. of old buildings. I think. I mean, Europe definitely has the most because even though there's like really a lot of old cultures and stuff in Asia and Africa and stuff like that, they didn't build like they didn't build as many long-lasting buildings like out of stone. Like yeah. in Asia, for example, it's mostly depending where in Asia. Like China probably has the most kind of secular buildings that are really old, but a lot of other places, like I said, in South and Southeast Asia, it's like almost all buildings that are still there that are really old are religious buildings and then in africa you have even fewer still so it's but i mean here you could argue that what's old would be like the forests although not really anymore (laughs) but you know in the mountains i guess is a different a different kind of thing i was gonna say something else but yeah yeah that's uh (laughs) it's one of the hard things about the podcast do you want do you want a pen and paper to write shit down (laughs) because i've got pen and paper going all the time when i do podcasts Oh, I feel like we'd be hopped like five topics right there. That's that's just kind of how it goes. Yeah. Um, it's... Oh, sorry. I know what I was going to say. <laughs> the zoo thing. That's something I'm really like, I think today we totally take for granted. This is another like internet thing and just modern society in general kind of thing. We totally take for granted the fact that like we know about all these animals, you know, like we're like, oh no, the zebras are dying. But like, although I think zebras are kind of doing okay relative to some mammals. But anyway. It's like, but, but it, I mean, if we lived here in the past, we never would have known what a zebra is. Even, even like 50 years ago, like we wouldn't really know. We might've seen a couple pictures or, you know, our zoo would be like such a big deal. Like we kind of take for granted how much access we have to information. Let's say like, you know, lately I've been watching, like I've been kind of on like a tropical sea binge kind of, you know, I just like have like islands and stuff on the mind. So I've been like watching some like videos, of like underwater stuff, you know, like coral reefs and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's like, hardly any human being ever had seen that kind of thing before us like a few people before you know cameras and divers and stuff would have seen that if like you know like in the philippines if there was some you know in a lot of other places people would like be able to swim like really deep but only a very select few people like, it wouldn't be like everybody is able to swim way underwater like that yeah. and now it's like pretty much anyone you know could take five seconds to be like you know beautiful coral reef and then like yeah. see this stunning scene and we totally take for granted the fact that we just have that kind of exposure to the world so i don't know i just think like zoos would be would be so much more incredible before the internet you'd be like oh my god look at that rhinoceros you know and it would be like and now we'd like kids probably go to the zoo and they're like oh it's a rhino cool can i get a dunkaroo now you know like it's like people just not appreciating shit that just that just goes back to the whole thing about people just not appreciating the world around them because they're too engrossed in you know that instant uh instant gratification Right? Yeah. Not not appreciating uh, what it means to actually have access to all this stuff, especially kids being born into like the modern era, right? Like, our generation grew up through that change, right? Like, do you remember calling your friend's place over a landline and their parents answering and having to, like, talk? <laughs> like, kids don't have to do. They have phones and they can just text their friends directly. Yeah. And like ten years ago, I remember listening to uh, the radio. And they had someone on talking about how, like, things like that, like, kids were forced to mature quicker because they had to interact with adults more often. But now kids can totally bypass interacting with anybody older than their own age, right? Well, their parents barely even raise kids anymore. I'd say, like, depending on the family, of course, but, you know, like, computers do a... Well, computers and just 
the education system or whatever does a lot of the raising yeah but yeah, talking about like calling like i remember when i was in grade four i had my first girlfriend oh, <laughs> and, I, nice. and i had to like Tight. it's so funny because it's like not only did i have to call her parents to call her but i had to tell my like my own parent like i didn't tell i didn't even like so i i don't know i had to be like oh can i use the phone like, oh why like, i'm gonna call a friend and then like i mean like in my room like hey he 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 you know and like well i have to call for us and be like yeah is you know is nicole there and then like be like yeah uh who's this and yeah it's there's a strange know, boy calling my daughter <laughs> exactly and then later my dad's like do you have a girlfriend and i was like yeah but it only lasted a couple weeks but you know that was my that was my grade four uh, couple weeks dating experience four was like years yeah, my heart was broken for years to come. <laughs> what are your plans with my daughter? <laughs> God, I should, uh, that was um, but I was on the but on the other hand, that kind of, I mean, ha- I don't know. That would really be helicopter. No, like asking yeah. asking like yeah, but like I mean, because then you have to justify your own actions, sort of, which is also something I think we don't have to do very much is like justify our actions. And again, like even just like our existence, you know, like, why did you make that decision? Yeah. Like, okay. Think about, let's say you have a girlfriend in the 1980s and then you have a girlfriend today and you're the same age or, you know, in the 1980s, that's how you call. It might be like her dad picks up, you know, and he's like, oh, well, who's this? And you have to answer like, oh, and he might just be like, yeah, I'll call her, you know, and he's like, oh, you know, daughter, come here or whatever. And then he's like talking to you and he might be like, so what do you do? You know? So, you know, what are you going to do when you take my daughter out on Friday or whatever? And you have to like justify to him but through that you actually have to do it yourself but now let's say you you want to take a, a girlfriend out or whatever it's like you just be like hey like, do you want to go on friday and you don't have to even justify it yourself so you yourself might not even kind of know why almost like why am i it sounds kind of weird i guess but it's like why am i even you know doing this right now and i think it's i don't know i guess that's where the social kind of thing comes in where having social relationships that can actually help us define ourselves mm-hmm. as well even if it's like if it's annoying you know like it sounds idealistic and it is but it's also like you know if you don't have anybody to like justify like you know if you spend all your time on your phone and you're like not talking to friends and family you're not interacting with parents like i feel like you're much more likely to never actually take that step of asking her out right i feel like that's just that's such a scary thing but like you know if you have like social connections and you see other people in relationships and like you talk to other people in relationships and like you interact with your parents and like you know you might be more willing to like take that plunge but like instead of just scrolling through your crush's (laughs) instagram feed right lurking but yeah it is totally different thing like meeting up with someone and being like we're going to meet at the movies at three o'clock and then just going to the movies and then you don't see or hear from them until three o'clock hoping they show up right (laughs) like you know the idea of like um like i used to go to my friend's place every wednesday like we take turns he'd come over to my place i'd go to his place and parents would come pick us up at 5 30 right i was never like coming to get you like you know it was just like that's (laughs) how it was right and it, it, it 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 was never like you know Oh, yeah, like, you know, you'd talk to your friend on the phone and be like, be here at 1 p.m. on Saturday or noon on Saturday or whatever, and then you just expect them to show up at noon on Saturday. You wouldn't be get texts, like, on my way, like... Or text like, like, hey, 
I'm going to be late. Or like text, <laughs> five like, hours late. You know, like five minutes away. And like, I'm going to knock, knock on your knock on your door. I'm just letting you know I'm outside now. Like I started doing that because it was a lot easier when I had a dog for my friends to just tell me they were there. And then I just go let them in. And then there's no knocking and barking and all that shit. Um, but like now it's like I have this like it's like. I wonder if the knock-knock joke is going to work for younger generations. I wonder if the knock-knock <laughs> joke is going to die. Yeah, I have never <laughs> thought of that. I, I think it won't. I think eventually it'll just kind of... The, like, form of the joke will supersede its context. And it's like... You know, maybe we have so many things like that. Like, I don't know. Not much is coming to mind. Well, I guess things like, you know, you say, like, Kleenex instead of tissue or whatever. Mm-hmm. Things kind of like that. Or there's other jokes and terms we don't use and then some every like now and then you might be like well now what does that really mean and then you like look it up so i guess that'll be i guess people still knock on like bedroom doors and stuff but like you know like True, it's like yeah it's like you know my nephew tried to tell me a knock knock joke and they came up to me and they and they said knock knock and uh i immediately pulled out my phone to see who was standing at my door <laughs> <laughs> i stopped moving and waited to see if they would go away like, <laughs> You know, like opening yeah. the door to a miscellaneous knock is like, what's it like? There's something terrifying about it. <laughs> like, I mean, like yeah. it's even weirder if you live in like an apartment. But like, true, yeah. Well, I think just because, but it's partially because you know that your friends aren't really gonna randomly drop by and knock on your door anymore. Because you know, in the past, you like someone knocking your door, like, oh, like maybe that's my friend, or you know, who knows. And now it's like if you hear a knock, you know it's basically something that you don't really care much about like it's just going to be someone selling something or it's going to be you know base i mean that's kind of it or like a pollster most likely yeah so yeah it's just it's like oh i don't know if i want to deal with that <laughs> kind of thing but yeah there's a really funny bit i saw by like stand-up comic can't remember what his name is like this italian american guy and it's so funny he's like yeah we used to you know be like oh come in we have company you know yeah come in have some cake like oh yeah i was just thought i'd stop by see how the kids are doing you know and then he's like and nowadays you know it's like Someone hears a knock and it's like, who, who invited someone? Was it you? Was it you? And they're like, he's doing like army, like calls his finger. He's just like, get down, get down. Shh, like turn off the lights. You know, it's, it's so true, honestly. It's so funny. But really I've strange. been like, I've been like out in an area, like if I lived in Maple Ridge and I was like in Coquitlam and I had to be somewhere at like six and it was like four and like, but I'd still like, I'd text people. I'd be like, hey, you free? But I wouldn't even fucking call them. I'd text them and yeah. be like, I'll just wait and see if they text me back. <laughs> right? Like, there's something so, like, terrifying about calling someone because you don't want to interrupt them. So yeah. you're like, I'll text them, and if they're busy, they'll text me, like, whatever. It's not, but, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's so easy to just, you know, I, I try to call people a little more often and just be like, you know, if it's important, right? Like, if it is something like, hey, you want to hang out on Saturday? And it's, like, Monday send a text like whatever like it's not yeah um yeah but well for me yeah i mean i know calling is better and sometimes like oh i should call more but sometimes like well i think for me i'm kind of bad at like ending conversations and like i'm definitely bad at that so it's like oh then i know this is gonna go on for a long time (laughs) kind of thing and sometimes like yeah i just kind of want to chat for like a few minutes even you know it's like rather than sending five texts even like might as well call for like three minutes but i know once you call it's like it's not going to be three minutes unless you call a lot and you get used to like short phone calls, I guess. But and you don't want to interrupt their day too, like you know, like I guess it's like most people don't they like they get home and they're home and that's it. It's like TV and video games and like whatever. But like for me, like 
I usually have like you know one or two goals that I want to complete every day. Like today, I'm going to write a blog post, or I'm going to you know I'm going to sit down and watch this movie I've been meaning to watch. It doesn't have the other thing, <laughs> and like you know I'm always like you know if I'm going to call someone just to chat, it's like you know did they have things that they wanted to do? Am I like getting in their way? But I guess then the hope is just that they just say like, hey, I'm busy. Can you call? Can I call you back or something? Right? Like yeah. Know. But I think I think that's just it just shows the, how our society and our culture is. I mean, just the fact that it's weird to like call your friend and be like, Hey, do you want to hang out? And be like, Oh my God, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get in the way. You know, and it's like, it's your friend. Like, you know, it shouldn't really yeah. be a big deal. But yeah, it's so, it's just, yeah, it's very different. Cause I mean, that's, I know like, you know, a lot of people, like, I mean, even people here, but you know, I think like in other cultures and places, there's it's totally different really the way like friends interact with each other. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, like, while there is more stuff, like, nobody's more busy than they were, like, 40 years ago, right? Like. You, wait, you mean we're, we are busier like, or we aren't busier? You, you, or the you same? aren't any busier. Like, there's more things to do, but people aren't any busier. They still work the 40-hour week, right? You know? They. And then what, right? Like, okay, they go to the gym, right? But, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, well, I think, I don't know. In some ways, people work I don't know in some ways people work more or you could just say I think people have more like kind of obligations or like things going on in, in a way or it's more just like it's we, we can't separate really our lives anymore into like blocks it's kind of like right now I could be studying I could be working I could be working out I could be watching TV yeah. I could be with my friends it's kind of all these things could be happening at any one time it's not like okay well during this time of the day I have to be working like even though we have like a work thing you could still a lot of people could just check their email right now and technically they're working or that kind of thing so also it's like in and that kind of changes things i think like when you don't have kind of properly delineated time Mm -hmm. and everything is a choice then it's like well i'm choosing to not work or i'm choosing to do this thing it's never like kind of well this is just how things are this is just how life is you know this happens everything's so connected right yeah it's and you also yeah. have like you know you have so many more social connections than people would have back in like the 80s so like there's this thing like you know you hear a lot about how like oh like millennials are killing this industry or that industry and one of them is like the wedding industry like millennials just aren't getting married anymore um and my thinking is because I can't remember if I came up with this idea or if I read this idea or if I heard this idea, but there's, I I have this idea in my head and I can't remember where it came from, that the reason why millennials aren't getting married anymore is because if you meet someone in like high school or college that you're like super into and like you want to keep them around, the only really way to make sure you do that is by marrying them, right? Like, you can have some friends, but, like, you know, they're going to come and go when you don't have the contact that we have now. But now, you'd be like, well, you seem chill. I want to keep you kind of around, right? So I'm going to add you on Facebook, and we're going to keep each other updated on what we're doing, right? And then I will always be able to contact you, right? But, like, if you think about it, like, how many people in high school that you know, like, that were in our grade, that if you didn't have Facebook, would you know how to contact them? Yeah, no, I mean, right? Not a ton. Um, so I, I think there's some like, you know, just having more connections. The idea of like 
dedicating half an hour to just call one person and talk to them it's like well why am i dedicating this time to this one person i mean the thing is i don't think i'm gonna i'm not keeping uh my facebook so i can potentially marry anyone from my grade <laughs> nine school <laughs> yeah but you're you're, you're keeping because you, so you can keep in contact with people right and you just you just have more contacts and i guess because you have more contacts you have more options right um yeah like, no i know it's kind of a joke but <laughs> yeah i mean i don't you're just like yeah. one day that person right there is gonna slide in their dms and be like you want to marry me yeah you never know you, you know might remember get that pact enough, we made you know? when we were really drunk and we we're like 16 <laughs> we're not married by the time we're 30 we're gonna marry each other or i'll just be like hey like you sat next to me in like grade nine in this one class we never really talked but like you want to get married you know, have some kids <laughs> white picket fence come okay. on yeah <laughs> i have i have a, a a lucrative proposition for you and it's like oh no like i'm not interested in your multi-level marketing like no no no, it's not that i swear i just selling my love <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna give you my love and then we're, we're gonna have kids and then they're gonna work for us yeah <laughs> and then and they're, they're gonna have kids. they're gonna recruit their friends <laughs> <laughs> then they're gonna have kids yeah <laughs> A bit of both. See these these multi level marketing people gotta I gotta get more creative, you know. Right. Multi level marriage. There you go. Just <laughs> multi level marriage. Marry <laughs> marry people beneath you, right? <laughs> yeah. Or marry Yeah, marry anyone who's desperate enough and then just have kids with them and then move on to the and next then, marriage. And then the, the <laughs> Produce the Spread maximum, your seed. Yeah. <laughs> maximum amount of kids, maximum amount of friends, maximum amount of money. Somehow, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, get get them to pay the alimony. Yeah, I guess you, right? <laughs> you're the one with the kids. Put them to work. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, they're like 16 now. They should be working, making like I paid their way through childhood. Yeah. <laughs> you know how much elementary school costs. Like, I'm broke. They need to give back. Um, I was thinking about how you're talking about um, sort of religious buildings that need to get sort of rebuilt and whether or not they need to be, you know, should it be done in like a more traditional sense or should it be done in a more like stable modern sense? And it reminded me of that show. I think it was on Human Planet. I think the show that it was on. And there's a temple somewhere in Africa, which I mean I know narrows it down to somewhere in Africa. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's uh, it's a, a Muslim uh, a Muslim temple. I'm totally blanking on the name of the religion. Oh, um, is it that one in? Uh, Mali, like near Timbuktu, maybe. I'm not sure. Anyway, it's a temple that, um, uh, it's made entirely of mud, and every year the community has to come together and rebuild it. Right. Yeah, I think I think there's one. Because it was, if they don't prepare like it for the wet season, it just gets washed away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. they've been doing it for like. 3,000 years or something like every year they just rebuild the whole thing out of mud yeah and it's just people like it's not like architects or anything it's just like let's get some mud and build a <laughs> temple I guess yeah well that's that's the thing about when I mean, we were talking about the getting older like um, 
like how do you know when it's the same building or the same boat or whatever but like i think that's a very kind of european kind of way of looking at things where it's sort of like it has to be the same physical Mm -hmm. structure or manifestation has to be the exact same like it has to be like michelangelo did the last stroke on this you know painting or whatever for it to be like okay it's 500 years old now but you know like let's i mean a lot of like let's say in nepal it's like a lot of the temples there technically they're they're quite i mean they like they are very old but it's like renewed but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not old anymore because it's still kind of the same temple kind of represents the same kind of thing and through that act of renewal like the same with this mud thing it you you as a community reaffirm its value Mm -hmm. you know it's like well if nobody's doing anything with it then i guess it doesn't have any value anymore so who kind of cares about it so it's like actually in a way like you know repainting things even if it's like this masterpiece painting it's like you kind of redo it to update it to like make sure it's going to last and that it still looks fresh you know there's us we i think generalizing kind of european american kind of mindset it's like you know, the older it kind of looks the more value you sort of put on it because oh it's it's antiquated so um yeah i guess i don't know if it's, it's a different way of looking at things but i think that that I, I don't know i think in a way there's a lot to be said about like coming together and oh you know, definitely working for on sure something. i think it's amazing because like you never closer to anybody after you build a fucking temple <laughs> like you know like have you ever built like like done a project with a friend like some woodworking project or something or put something together and like you spend a day doing yeah it and you finish you're like holy shit and now you have like this shared experience <laughs> of like the frustration and like you know we did this thing right? yeah and i mean even like i guess like climbing a mountain or something right with with a, with a friend right it's it's constantly right. like you know we, we did this thing and now we're done and now we have this shared experience but you know the act of like doing art with someone and like putting your mind together and like both having an image in your mind's eye and putting it into this thing is like if you imagine doing that with like a thousand people and <laughs> building a building yeah. like out of just passion like no one's paying you to do it and like you know like yeah well and you actually get to take part in the fruits of your labor you know if it's like a temple most likely you also would get to use the services of this building yeah. whereas let's say if you're a labor now and you build a high-rise well you're never going to live in that building most likely or if you do live in it it's not because you worked on it it's just happenstance kind of thing and you're just so doing it's... it to feed your cocaine habit <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah no that's that's pretty pretty back to community full circle it's like the importance of community <laughs> well that's also like i took this class about uh, archaeology of it's all about kind of space and place so like st- structures people community and stuff but using like the archaeological record which is kind of like an elective for me but it was well actually not really anyway it was interesting like there was some stuff we talked about where and this is something that i that i thought about um before but it kind of makes sense when you think of like how it's like building you think of like let's say like the egyptian pyramids or something i don't think this is the right example but you know you think okay well there's like some king who has all this power and then he you know expands and exerts his power on making people or helping people or supporting people to build something but in a lot of ways like it's actually the very act itself of creating these things that actually puts someone in power so there's not necessarily that sense of somebody is like initiates the project themselves and it's like okay i'm the, the king and i have this power but 
it's through the act of a community kind of coming together and somebody kind of coming out on top. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of like an, an election in a way, if you think about it, you know, it's kind of like, okay, well, a few people are working on this thing and then somebody might kind of come on top and as a community start coming together and then you realize this person has a lot of skills at, you know, um, solving conflicts at, um, you know, procuring resources or coming up with some kind of plan or something like that. And so then that person actually gains power through the actual act of it. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily like things are always in this linear sense. It's like actually production happens in the act like in the act of production i don't know it's not really the best way to put it but like i don't know i think that kind of stuff is really interesting like i think just like how i think in a lot of ways just like how like doing something itself is what i know it sounds so obvious saying it but like doing something is what makes you good at that thing yeah you know because it's i mean i think that's like anything it's oh well i can't write a book because i don't know how to write or i can't draw this picture because i don't know how to draw or i can't whatever because i don't know how to do it but it's actually like through the act of sort of just doing it that eventually that's how you do it which it's, sounds obvious yeah. but it's like it's, it's kind of 10, not like, hour rule. yeah basically yeah. that that kind of thing but it doesn't even have to be ten thousand hours i mean even if it's 10 hours like you're yeah. going to be better at something than yeah actually this is something i was looking at recently i was looking at the election candidates for my writing uh and one of the candidates is actually 18 years old holy shit <laughs> yeah what party a green party nice. and he yeah i was like reading like the interviews that's terrifying that and, person was born after september 11th <laughs> that's true yeah 2000 <laughs> yeah i guess you'd have to be like 2002 yeah. right that's true yeah anyway he's not qualified if he doesn't remember <laughs> um he can't I, forget because he doesn't remember that's never forget forget, yeah (laughs) anyway um yeah well i feel like the moment we're living in now is like at least as big as 9-11 in terms of (laughs) anyway how um, many americans are dying (laughs) well people around the world and just economic changes yeah the way we live our lives fact, i mean i'd say it's bigger than flying that. around <laughs> you're going for the direct angle i see <laughs> you like you like your big like overarching themes and i'm like there's no airplanes in the sky <laughs> like you look at the percentage of gdp you know per country with this you really see the impacts of the same there's so many dead americans <laughs> <laughs> yeah people can't afford shoes so they're not wearing shoes at the airports anymore <laughs> Yeah, the. I think that's I don't know what other direct comparisons would there even be. Oh, people have to wear like masks if they're, you know, in the rubble of the building or something. Yeah, but everywhere, everywhere, yeah, is everywhere is rubble now. <laughs> oh my god, that's kind of scary. Um. Anyway, the eighteen-year-old. I. I don't know. For me, I was just like, well, like, good on him, and it's kind of empowering. I was like, well, like I should have run in this election. <laughs> seriously though like sometimes i'm like you know because you know obviously i mean he's 18 years old i was reading this like interview thing of all the candidates and like and then i got to his and it was like uh, occupation and he said um sfu political science student and i was like whoa i was like okay maybe he's like 21 or 22 or something and then he turned out he's 18 and this being like first year and it was like what books are you reading right now and he was like a lot of textbooks <laughs> so um but it's cool, you know, he's done, like, debates with the other yeah. people. Like, one of the guys in the riding is, like, a, he used to be an MP for, like, 10 years with the NDP. And, you know, so, it's like, just, like, think about, like, the good experience that is. Like, just mm-hmm. from, obviously, he's, like, not going to win. And I don't think he ever thought he would win or anything like that. I mean, maybe he will. Who knows? But just, like, the act of doing it is, like, it's just 
I don't know. It's like so important. I'm sure he's learning so much. It makes me think like, man, I should have just put my ring in the hat. One of the, you know, just kind of one of those hat in the ring. Sorry. I said it the wrong way. (laughs) Ring in the hat works though too. Like just like flipping a coin into a hat when you're bored. Little little ring, little like (laughs) pearl rings or whatever. Um, Some top hat. I mean, yeah, it's just kind of one of those things. Like that guy is going to have so much more experience and like even just a talking point at parties. Yeah. My brain saw your foot coming. I'm like, when do we get a cat? It's <laughs> 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 just the movement in the corner of my eye like triggered something in my brain. That's 21 years of watching cats crawl around. Just... My house. <laughs> <laughs> um, Actually, there's two cats. Oh no! I'm multiplying. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, he's just gonna have like you know, even just conversations at parties, but, but like he's gonna have so much more to offer and like you know people <laughs> it sounds dumb but someone's much more likely to hire someone who ran as a candidate like oh yeah you know and it's like it's pretty low commitment for the green party <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah i mean i'm sure he's really busy but also it's like he's just like in first year it's like i'd rather get like c's and yeah. run for an election than get a's and not do it when it just know? turns out like it's like a project yeah. Like pick your own best thing. project ever. He better right. get an A plus. Right. So no matter what he says or doesn't, <laughs> it's like shit. Um, yeah. When I was living in Maple Ridge, my brother was telling me that like he's like, I bet I could get you elected as the mayor of Maple Ridge. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if I want that though. He's like, Hear me out. Four years of your life, you commit to this, right? This is your job for four years. You don't have to do anything. You just let the town keep going as it is. It'll, <laughs> just, just, it'll take care of itself. Look at Donald Trump. Like, what has he done? Right? That's like your election platform. You're like, you get up on the podium. You're like, so how are things here in Maple Ridge? And like, woo. Like, sounds pretty good. Okay, right. my platform is. Can keep doing that. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't need me. Hello, Maple Ridge. How are you doing? Woo. Great. See you later. <laughs> All good. Check. Clearly, I'm not heating. <laughs> it's like, make people happy in Maple Ridge. Check. Like, that's my whole platform. <laughs> yeah, you can go to sleep. You like made people happy right. today. <laughs> and the thing is, if you're a mayor, you run for you serve for one term, and then you get like a pension. You get an annual salary. Really, after just serving for like one. Yeah. Really? Wow. Apparently, it's not like huge, but it's a living. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. You know? I've been well, I've been thinking about getting into politics a little bit. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like there's so many. It's one of those things that where there's just so many things going on in the world. I think it's you like, would how make, do you focus? You know? I feel like you would make a great politician. I feel like because like the way you talk and like you're constantly like challenging your own ideas, but also like you listen to what other people are saying, but then like you have your own ideas, and then like. You're generally pretty good at finding a way to merge them or at least accept other people's ideas. Um, wow, it's my first endorsement. You're also very charismatic. The, the No More Wasted Days podcast has have, endorsed James yeah, Banks. There you go. <laughs> endorsed by the No More Wasted. And honestly, you're like one of the most photogenic people I know. Really? No, you're, I'm actually, no, I'm totally you're so, I'm, like, every, I'm really not. <laughs> every picture of you, like, going around the fucking mountains and shit, it's just like the wind's blowing, your hair is exactly where, it's like, holy shit. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm real. maybe, like, if like it's a candid shot. Like, you stand in front shot. of a fucking Canadian flag, like, 
holy shit people would vote for you i can't if i know a picture's being taken though it just looks i it's terrible no man it's really bad so yeah i need some no, like, of those pictures on shots, top of, like, i guess mount frosty like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like you can take a secret picture of me on mount frosty and it's like damn look at that mountain man and then it's like james turn around the picture and i'm like, <laughs> like damn look at that mountain man and he's like hunched over and hairy and you're like oh <laughs> yeah turn around and just ruin it oh <laughs> turn the other way <laughs> Yeah, no, there's there have been like very, very brief moments in my life where I'm like I could. Like even like running for Strata, like Strata Council is like missing a treasure right now and they're like, We need someone. we're short. We need Dude, someone. I I I don't I wanna get on Strata in like my complex because there's I mean, I don't understand where the money's going. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> so, and treasure? Man. Dude, that you just make money from that, you're just siphoning funds from everyone. <laughs> I just don't understand. I don't know. I don't know the case here, but um, honestly strata here is great like one of my biggest fears about moving into apartment building was dealing with strata hasn't been a problem right because you guys you don't need to fill the treasure position then no it's just I mean, nobody needs it everything's great well, why do we need a treasure like that's just everything's fine as it is <laughs> <laughs> that's what we should bring to all of our elections now like, any, everything's good yeah any position it's like we're gonna fill this position like why like it's all right it's fine it seems like nothing's falling apart yeah. <laughs> until eventually there's like nobody doing anything there's <laughs> like total chaos and like people aren't dying you're just like a farmer and you're like why am i gonna grow carrots like every time i go to the store there's already carrots there there's carrots there <laughs> what am i even doing they're fine i own this land already like I don't, need to, <laughs> I don't need to make any more money. <laughs> I'll just convert this windmill to electricity, like, and this. uh Yeah, I live right by this river. Just put a dam in it, and like. Nah, it's like it's fine. You have electricity. You don't need any more. Yeah, yeah. I like that platform. It's <laughs> good. Let's not change anything. It just doesn't make any sense. But it kind of. It's kind of like the thing where it's like, well, everything's fifty-fifty because it either happens or it doesn't. It kind of makes sense. Like, I want how that, that to makes be a social sense. experiment. I want that to be your social experiment. <laughs> Run, run for mayor for like Port Moody or Coquitlam. Are you in Port Moody or Coquitlam? I'm in Coquitlam. You're kind of right on the border. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Run for mayor on the platform that everything's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never really hear that in elections. Like it always. I mean, everyone's highlighting why things are shit and how you're going to change it. Yeah, like, and you know, things can always be improved for sure. But it's kind of funny that it's like, like challenging people never come in and they're never like you've done a great job but it's always like you've done such a bad job and i'm gonna fix it you know it's like even if it's like things are like couldn't really be much better yeah. it's just like you've done such a bad job like i'm gonna and it's like what even are I you gonna know. do over, like they've got that like they've got the like 15 year plan or whatever for like coquillum center where they're putting in like three oh, new no. high rises like yeah. what are you even going to do for the next 15 years <laughs> fuck it like they've done it all yeah. right? the papers are signed like the parking lots are cleared like let's go up on the podium have the like plan that's already made like this is the 15 year plan this is my plan i'll just implement this like it's already <laughs> been done this going yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gonna make sure this happens what and... he was doing yeah what was his platform that's mine <laughs> And they get the guy who like did that originally and is running for re-election is like, yeah, but you're gonna do more stuff. I'm just saying this is what I'm gonna do. It's like <laughs> the, you know the guy's like, no, but I made that 15 year plan. It's like, I know you did a great job, it was it. A, and we're just gonna keep that. We're not gonna add on. It's not gonna be 17 year plan or 20. Right, no, it's just no. we're just gonna keep it exactly yeah. like this. Once it's done, like I'm not gonna be around anymore. Yeah. So like it's someone else's problem. Yeah, I'm gonna just slide right in, right in the in between area. <laughs> 
build up those high rises, take all the credit, and peace out. No, it's a lifetime yeah. appointment because then once it's done, you then you're just like, well, it's don't you like those buildings that we made over 15 years? I mean, what's the problem? I thought that's what you wanted. I mean, why wouldn't right. I? Now, now your kids can live close to <laughs> yeah. you, and like now I'll just be the mayor forever because I did that project. I, mean. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna cancel the next election. <laughs> And then you leave the position, but then like nobody fills it. You're like, nobody it? needs a mayor anymore. I'm done. I mean, that's, <laughs> mayors just build these buildings, and then that's it, right? You just like you just like seal the door to the mayor's <laughs> office with like cement. <laughs> problem or like um, what's problem solved or no job done or mission accomplished? That's a mission accomplished. Like X off on your to do list or <laughs> become mayor. <laughs> yeah. Finish 15 year plan. Like, yeah, like a cement com- pump coming through the window of the mayor's office, just like filling it up with cement. <laughs> yeah, it's, like. yeah, it's not just the door. Like, what? Like, people from the outside are like, oh, damn, that guy, like, James, the last mayor, like, he, you know, he really messed things up. Let's get rid of this concrete door. And they start, like, chipping into it. And then, yeah, they realize it, like, it's keeps just, going. It's just all concrete. <laughs> it's in the whole room. Archaeologists are going to remember me. <laughs> it's just totally concrete. They're like, this door never ends. Oh, my God. I build a building and then I fill a hole. <laughs> oh man, that would be yeah. such a good, such a good platform. Let's just keep it going. I don't know. Like, I guess one of the things I guess like with like elections and stuff, every, everyone's always so pessimistic, right? Nobody's ever like things are good. <laughs> yeah, like even the most ho- like the most optimistic campaigns are only like they're hopeful for the future. They're not yeah. like, well. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I guess if you're going for re-election, though, you kind of want to be like, we did this, we did that, yeah. you know. But even still, you're always like, we did this, but we could, you know, we can kind of work on this now and do better because we didn't have time to do that. Or What if you're going for yeah. re-election and be like, let's be honest, it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was watching the debate, uh, provincial debate, a while ago with, uh, you know, the Horgan yeah. and Wilkinson and first to now, and then there was a question from the moderator, uh, John Horgan, like, so what have you done for standard of living? And I was like, jo- I was like joking with my family. Like, what if he was just like, "Fuck all, thank you." And, just, <laughs> and that's the answer. Taps the mic, just fuck all. <laughs> Final answer. <laughs> it's like, what have you done for standard of living? Uh, you have a minute and a half. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I value efficiency. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Can I get a real question, please? <laughs> yeah. Do we even really need to waste time on this one? <laughs> oh. oh, man. Yeah, I struggled with choosing who I wanted to vote for this year. It's a shit show. I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I haven't actually decided still. I, I got a mail-in ballot, but I still haven't filled it out. So I'm just going to fill it out and then... You can take it in. And then just take it in physically, yeah. Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. So I wasn't but... sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, just or I might just write in my own name then, my first vote. Just take take your ballot and then write your name underneath and put a check mark beside it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think you're allowed to write in, right? I mean, that's like uh, some of them. Well, I'm pretty sure that's like a fundamental thing of democracy. But I mean, I I, they're not. I doubt they'd be like, okay, and put my name in. But they just make a spoiled <laughs> just, spoiled ballot. Or you're something. Just watching the counter on like the news on election day. James, James, like, yeah. James Binks. One, <laughs> and then you see like a few more votes coming. Like, oh you shit! Just get all your friends to vote. Oh my god, that would be so good. Like, just get all your friends <laughs> yeah. just to write your name and put a check mark on their ballot and just see how many votes you get. 
that'll be great. It's like newcomer James, you know, runner up in this election. Wow, where did he come from? What does he look like? What does he do? We'll never know. What's his platform? Just keep it going. <laughs> What's his platform? <laughs> he didn't send any plat in any platform. And like, yep, that's the point. <laughs> they get on the radio show. Like, James, you did such a great job. You got so many votes, and nobody really knew who you were before this. So like, what's your platform? You know, like you might win this. And just, um, what do you mean? Like, well, you didn't send in anything. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the point. That's, <laughs> the, that's the platform. Yeah. Like, I'm not. Like, send what are your what? thoughts on the environment? I don't know. Keep it going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like the environment. You know, just. Yeah. Do more environment. More Let's do more of that. <laughs> yeah, but what about housing? How are you going to reconcile like the growing population while protecting the environment? Just more of it. <laughs> more environments. Keep you know? doing more environment, more housing. Do you mean more natural environments, built environments? Like, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These questions are ridiculous. I'm out of here. <laughs> You're wasting my time. <laughs> I've got a province to run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then in some weird way, it become premier because I know the other parties couldn't decide. Like, well, let's just go with this random guy. <laughs> you just end up like the prime minister. Yeah, because like, you just fuck like is going on? you separately say what everyone wants to hear. Like the Green Party, they hear like, yeah, he said he likes the environment. Like we're going to support him. And then the Liberal Party hears like, yeah, he said let's keep it going. So he means let's keep you know the forestry industry. And then NDP hears something in between. I don't know. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> And then, yeah, they're like, well, I guess he's a good middle NDP ground. NDP here is like, he doesn't want to do anything about the standard of living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That would be great. I think you should run. I think that would be amazing. I would I, go for you. I honestly feel like I should have run this. Uh, it was just, I guess I didn't really, it was just a quick little snap election. Because it's like, what, I mean, what, what happens anyway? You just register, I guess, and then. Yeah, that's weird that an 18-year-old is like running in a snap election <laughs> yeah like, oh shit i guess i'm gonna i guess let's do this like what did he have some contact with a green party already or, or did he just like email them he hears the snap election he's like this is it he emails the green party and he's like yeah like do you have any writings that like doesn't have any representation yet and they're just like yep and they're like put in there <laughs> i guess so i guess that's why it's easier it's probably easier to like you know with the green like the green party i guess where they don't have a lot of people like enough people to fill like every riding you know yeah. so they kind of just it's like a lower threshold for accepting people but then at least you have a party backing you know he still gets some name recognition he's like oh he's running with the green party which like adds on some uh kind of prestige or something like that whereas if it's independent it's kind of like but i just i couldn't i couldn't join a political party i just could just i honestly could never i don't i don't i honestly don't know how how you do it i mean i guess it's kind of a pragmatic thing but you know like if I'm, let's say i'm running for NDP, let's say they're gonna, it's gonna be like, but the NDP government did this and this. I was like, well, I don't, I wasn't there. Like, I didn't, you know. It's like, oh, but back in the eighties, they totally crashed the economy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't know it's my like, parents even knew each other back in the eighties. No, it's like this NDP person said this. Like, and I was like, I don't know. We'll ask them. Like, I'm not them. Yeah. I don't know. I have a problem. Pl- I feel like it'd be imagine, okay, but imagine if instead of having these Start political parties, political party. but okay, no, but imagine, hear me out, no political parties. No, not like one authoritarian political party. Literally, just no political parties. Every riding, it's just that person. So, so like, let's say your riding is Pork Aquilum, right? Mm-hmm. You have however many people run, and they just run based on whatever it is that they're that they're passionate about. You know, they're passionate about these various issues. So then you'd say, oh well, I think this person is the best because they're passionate, they're qualified, they they care for the community, they've been part of it, whatever. Rather than and then when they you elect them, they go to Victoria or whatever the capital is, and then it is Victoria. But I mean, wherever yeah. you are, yeah. whatever the capital would be, <laughs> yeah. um, 
think Victoria's the capital. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's actually Nanaimo. <laughs> yeah, that's a, like basic question for the debate thing. Like, do you even know what the capital is? Yeah, Kelowna. Final answer. <laughs> it's um uh, that one of them. <laughs> sorry, we couldn't hear you. Oh, time has run out. Oh, uh, sorry. Our um, <laughs> <a> next question. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, so then they get elected. They go to you know Victoria, and then. But the, and then they actually have to work together based on what they actually want. Yeah. Like what actually people are talking about. And then yeah. you as a resident of Port Coquitlam would be like, you'd email or whatever your representative and you'd say like, hey, this is how I feel about this thing. Like, what you know, can you do this thing or can you push back on this or whatever? Like imagine how much better that would like. Think it would be how, easier to contact an individual. Like it would be more comfortable contacting. An but it would just be so much. I mean, think about it. We have... Uh, three kind of political parties in BC basically that have any power yeah. at all and and that's kind of pushing it really there's two but yeah. let's just say three it's like three that's that's how much diversity there is in this province like three views like hell no there's millions of people here like why yeah. are there three parties that somehow have to represent everything like no wonder we, we fight and we can't disagree because like it's it's unlikely that one person's view is going to fall within one of those three camps and only and exclusively within that one camp like it's and just does every single person in that party have say to on what the platform was. Well, like, most that's yeah, that's what I mean. Like yeah. most parties, though, it's like yeah, the the people within that party have to. I mean, there's a little bit of leeway, but for the most part, it's like it's pretty whipped. Where it's like they you follow along the party lines and you vote all the same, and you know, it's just. But imagine if you didn't have that, you'd actually and it would actually be so much more locally. Like you'd actually be thinking about your local people, your local. Uh, issues and then when something comes up it's not like on this abstract level of like well the liberal party said this or the NDP party did that it's the government itself it's the yeah. government of British Columbia yeah. that's doing this or not doing this or you know that and that's working together and then it's more like if somebody you know it, it just feels more democratic doesn't it like it just feels like and then you also get more people like you know you have people living up north who are like no we don't want to cancel the grizzly bear hunt because if we do uh there's going to be so many grizzly bears and it's going to be a problem for us whereas like now it's like okay well everyone in bc is going to vote on this issue and everyone in bc lives in vancouver and they don't know anything about bears and they're like why would you hunt grizzly bears they're like soft and cuddly and they like honey (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then they vote i got all my bear knowledge from winnie the pooh yeah like (laughs) You know, they wear red shirts and they're <laughs> they stuffed with fluff. Nice tummies. Yeah. Um, and then they vote against hunting the grizzly bears. And now, like, the few thousand people living in northern BC are like, there's grizzly bears everywhere and we don't know how to handle it. Like, they're roaming the streets of our towns and, like, we can't do anything about it. Because yeah. they're not afraid of humans anymore. Uh, so, yeah, like, it, yeah. it makes total sense. Would, like, I guess, would that extrapolate, like, across Canada? Well, where I don't know, personally, I mean, you know, anything has problems, right? So I'm sure there'd be issues that would come from this, but I just think it would it would just be better. But I think it's I think it's part of the first past the post system too. Like I've read that any first past the post system will ultimately trend towards a two party system. I mean, in the United States, for example, it's like completely two party. Mm-hmm. Here, at least, we have a little bit of, but I mean, basically, we have two parties and then a third kind of like anemic little thing that kind of <laughs> does something and that's it which at least is better than totally two but it's still not you know i mean ideally it'd be flourishing and there'd be like 10 parties or something yeah. like that and then 
you know, and if people actually act in good faith, because then you can get this kind of chaos in that kind of case. But I don't know. To me, it's like it's a complex world. Like instead, and instead of it being like we have ten, or instead of we have like one party, and then that one party has to address every issue. Imagine you have ten parties, but maybe each of them kind of focus on a bit of a different area, and then they come together. And then within that party, let's say you have ten parties, and one of them is like about the environment or something. Well, then within that party, you vote kind of within what you who you want more like which environmental policy and then within another party you vote what kind of fiscal policy you want or something kind of like that more of a i mean that's more of a direct democracy i guess but and then i guess what what would be from there is like you get like you know obviously there's going to be some interaction between like you know you can't have strong environmental policy and also strong like economic growth you know like you need to be able to extract resources from your land to be able to like you know and also build housing and what have you right and you know uh, support a growing population until it's no longer possible <laughs> like sorry total yeah. aside but there's this idea that we're going to be able to continue constantly supporting a growing population and like yeah for the short term but like infinity doesn't like doesn't exist right yeah well that's well the, i mean that's the big problem really with our society in north america and in europe and in a lot of ways globally it's just that it's very short-sighted like usually usually what's better is like short-term pain leads to long-term gain kind of yeah. think about like working out right it's like you know it's kind of painful especially when you're first starting it's kind of awkward it's uncomfortable you don't know what you're doing but then a month later a year later whatever you feel great yeah. it's like it's same with with anything really you Delay know gratification yeah so it's like mm-hmm. even with politics it's like most politicians are only thinking at most like a few years ahead to their next election basically I mean, that if you just always think about short-term little wins and all this kind of, oh, well, I need to do this within the next like, year and just think about how it's going to benefit in this short time so I can get reelected, then it's like you have all of these problems because nobody's thinking. Like, there's no, there's like no, this is one of the, it's kind of a scary thing. I feel like, okay, this is, this is why I think there's conspiracy theories. It, this is one reason there's like a lot of conspiracy theories about like a one world order thing and this idea that there's like these these masterminds controlling the government and stuff because think about it when you when you're a kid you're like my parents know everything they're so smart everything and then you get older and you're like oh okay they're not perfect and then you and then you get a little older and then you're like oh like most people don't really know what they're doing or what the hell's going on i've got friends that are having kids now and it's like you shouldn't be doing that (laughs) exactly so it's like but you know anything kind of like anything you do you know you start to realize that wow people don't really know what's going on and and then you realize whoa even like like the government doesn't know what's going on even like leaders you know of whatever don't really know what's going on don't know what they're doing they don't really have a plan they're kind of like they're like what's the running by the seat of their pants or kind of thing so then i think you reach that level and you get kind of scared you're like you know what i'd rather they're like even though they're kind of is a conspiracy it's like oh we shouldn't have this one world order i think that's kind of what they're saying but i think actually they actually would prefer that idea in their head. They actually like the idea that there actually is somebody in control. And I totally, I totally get that because like, it actually like, I, in a way that makes sense. Like, you know, you look and you're kind of scared. You're like, well, I don't like any of these people I'm voting for, but then you're like, well, you know, it's okay because the system is bigger than them or whatever, but it kind of, it is, but it kind of isn't also. It's not like there's somebody higher than that. That's actually like masterminding thing. It's like literally just people, totally guessing their way through what they're doing they've never done this before it's like technology's changing at a blistering pace society's changing you know these people you know they i'm not saying they're bad people i'm just yeah. saying that it's the only kind of the best you can do sort like, of but 
within the current confines of the system. Like nobody's equipped to manage, you know, like nobody's psychologically equipped to manage more than about a hundred people. <laughs> one hundred fifty-seven people, maybe. One hundred fifty-seven <laughs> people. Uh, um, like, let alone yeah. like. 37 million or whatever the population of Canada is now we're like 350 million in America yeah. like like there's not it's, that's a ridiculous notion but this is that's what I mean okay so let's say someone like Justin Trudeau he's technically he's the head of government of Canada and so he's kind of leading like 37 million people but really in his life if you think if you like put a camera on his forehead a GoPro and you just followed saw who's he who's physically speaking to who he's emailing I doubt he's talking to more than 100 about people there's probably like no there's probably <laughs> yeah <laughs> final answer it's that's probably what it is so he's in, in a way what he's he's like that's actually that's his environment technically mm-hmm. like this is something that i'm really interested by because i think we don't think about people's like personal environments like we think of the environment as like a forest that you can go to and that mm-hmm. you can share with people or whatever or you think about a building that people live in or something but if you think about somebody's life social like, environment no just like oh. their thread environment like if you just like, put a forehead a camera on everybody's forehead and you follow it exactly that's kind of their environment they spend an hour in the car they spend an hour on the couch they spend six hours sitting at their desk emailing these 10 different people or something like that's kind of in a way that's that's their environment like it's not like their pacific northwest environment yeah. that's like way too abstract that's not yeah. really what we're living in so if you think about trudeau you know or any leader anyone a company boss or whatever they're only interacting with a certain number of people so actually when they're interacting with the country it's only through those levels right so it's like they're they're dealing with like a finance minister or they're dealing with um, a lawyer or whatever and that person represents this thing so there's actually this prism so it's like you can see i think like for me i can see how like it would become so hard to understand real i mean think about ourselves it's like hard to understand what reality is through like the prism of our phone but now if you're like prime minister your responsibilities are massive and you still have this really skewed vision of reality like everybody does but yours is has such big ramifications so yeah and it's like sometimes you just want to like go on vacation with a friend and then it's like oh shit like you're not allowed to do that because this friend has actually donated money or whatever and it's like i just oh yeah yeah just like you know like ethics like, yeah things, and it's like yeah. ethical concerns like well i just want to hang out with my bud but i'm not allowed to do that anymore because like <laughs> like <laughs> you know, yeah uh, yeah but then that's where my no political party thing comes in because now instead of those responsibilities being so centralized in one person it's a little more diffused you know and you might like let's say in let's say in the system where there's no political parties you kind of need like a prime minister and so like i i get that but it makes sense almost more to kind of cycle through it then so let's say so you might elect let's say you elect uh 80 what is 87 mlas in bc so you elect 87 of them but then within that maybe you elect like 10 of them to be kind of of a higher ranking and then those 10 cycle through for the for the next four years getting like uh whatever however many months that would be each like four five months or whatever each mm-hmm. as a kind of in a prime position or something like that i don't know it kind of almost makes makes sense instead of i don't know putting everything on this one person but then the danger becomes that every person goes in after four months or however long it is and they're like well no my my focus is this thing and they just put whatever the other person was doing on the back burner and i guess on the one hand you kind of have like this maybe it would end up being instead of like nothing ever gets done you'd have like this very slow growth but a very slow and stable growth maybe 
So, like, instead of, like, building a stick that's straight up that's incredibly unstable that can topple, but you build it really fast, you build, like, this really slow, you know, it's got a very strong base because every little thing... A bunch getting, of little sticks. Everything's getting poked at and prodded to see, like, you know, by different people with different views. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I do think... I mean, this is just a random... Yeah. I, I haven't really thought too much about this idea, but, like... I do think that let's say it suddenly that was the system we were in, it would fail immediately because <laughs> it's again it goes back to the principal thing like every, like for those for for any system to i mean including i mean our own system is failing in a lot of ways too though, so you know for any kind of system to work, it has to have the buy in of the population, so you know there has to be a principled understanding about the way it, it sort of works, and I think you know just you have to change more than just that you can't just change one thing and then think that it's going to like fix everything else too you know it kind of it, again it's like the it's like the monument building thing yeah. you know or like a big building like you can't just kind of build one building over here and everything else stays the same it's like the very act of building this building mm-hmm. is like what kind of transforms things so it's like you can't really if you i don't know i mean you can't like no the I mean, it makes sense because nobody, like, I'm not, like, let's say, I, I mean, there's no, like, dictator in the province who can be like, we're going to do it this way. So for that system to come into effect, it would have to come through a process that would change kind of everything, and then that would be part of that broader change. And then through those broader changes, that's signifying how there's this buy-in and kind of universality and principles amongst these people. But the thing is, we're not working on anything together as a country as it is now, so it's kind of, I don't know. There's just too many people. <laughs> There's just too many people. Oh, no. There's too many people, too many ideas, <laughs> too many opinions, uh, too much false information, and too much, too much disagreeing and not enough working together. It's it's so frustrating. <laughs> like like you said, like we have this, you know, we have this system, and maybe it's not perfect, but it's, you know, I kind of, you know, I often believe that, you know, it's like, I guess at this point, there's just so many damn people, it's not going to change. <laughs> You know, we had the we we had the um, we had the uh, not referendum. What was the term for vote? Trying voting on whether or not we want a different voting system. Um, oh my god, <laughs> electoral reform. Yeah, there was a there was a term for the this very specific term. For oh the yeah, act we did voting. have. I think I wasn't here for that. I think I was, was like two in like another ago. country. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah. And then BC. Wait, did that really happen? If it, it was like in a BC, dream, not in or Canada, something. but happened in BC. Yeah. Um, and we ended up voting like the votes ended up staying, sticking to first past the post. Um, and right. You know, a lot of people give Justin Trudeau shit for being like, "You ran on the platform that you're going to change the system, and then you got voted, and then you <laughs> change the system." Well. The thing is, the numbers show that the system wouldn't change anyways, because we had that vote in BC and it didn't change. But that is that's on, that is only BC, maybe elsewhere. But I feel like BC BC is would like be more likely to a support very that. liberal. <laughs> like if it's going to change anywhere, it's going to change in BC. I don't know. Kind of, BC's not really that. Well, that let's say like left because liberal has a weird term. NDP like it's not yeah. it, it's it's kind of left progressive ish but not not really a lot of the interior is quite conservative and a lot of the suburban communities are very conservative like i think outside of vancouver proper on the federal level 
majority of lower mainland is conservative actually like if you include Burnaby, Coquitlam, Surrey, Langley, Richmond, all that kind of stuff. It's actually a lot of conservative leader. Although, still, that doesn't mean that they're not left or progressive in some way. But anyway, but it's not. I'd say the. I'd say like Vancouver Island now. If you're gonna like the Gulf Islands, Victoria, Vancouver proper, yeah, and that is a huge proportion of the, the province. But anyway. Anyway, it just. Um... I can't remember where I was going with that. There's too many people. <laughs> it's it's frustrating because like, I think what we have now as far as leadership, well, it's not perfect. It's probably not going to change. You know, it's probably the best that we're going to get because there's so many. And I don't know, maybe there's so is, many people. There's maybe this is a cynical way of looking at it, but like. It's kind of the middle ground, right? Like, you, it's not a dictator, but it's not, like, totally independent living. Because, like, there's no way you could do that in the yeah. modern era. And so it's kind of in this middle ground. And with so many wants and needs and desires uh, from everybody from all different walks of life, different cultures, different backgrounds. When you get yourself in those situations, everything just kind of, like, floats into the center you know uh, yeah and you're never really gonna get one way or the other and maybe there's like maybe there is like something outside of the box that we live in that we just haven't figured out that like would only take like a year to completely change the way and everyone they'd be like yes that's the way to do it and just nobody's thought of it yet <laughs> But I don't believe that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, no, I think, I mean, I think you're right that it's unlikely. I mean, to me, it seems extremely unlikely that Canada would have, like, internally driven change. But I think it's kind of, that's kind of the joke we were making about, like, having a platform where, oh, I'm not going to change anything. Because we know it's kind of ridiculous <laughs> because whether you want to change something or not, it's going to change. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, you can't keep things stable by not acting or like it's just it's just not possible but i think the world is politically the world is changing a lot in the last 10 years like you see all over the world you see politics have changed quite a bit i mean if you, and i think they're i'd say politically at pretty much everywhere is moving more to the authoritarian kind of corner of things you know canada included um united states uk Poland, Hungary, Russia, China, India, Indonesia, Japan, Brazil, South Africa, like honestly, pretty much everywhere, Saudi Arabia, Israel, like Turkey, Greece, <laughs> seriously, like pretty much everywhere. And I mean, authoritarian kind of right, like things are changing more nationalist. And so like things are, are changing. And I, but I think that those small changes are showing that actually the world is actually becoming more like china politically and i think <laughs> and i think so in a way china is actually a leader of the future political order if things continue to move this way things china's already been in that kind of camp for a while and they are much more efficient sort of at the authoritarian mode that they have and that the rest of the world even if a lot of people disagree with that it's still kind of moving towards that direction i'm not saying the rest of the world is going to become exactly like china or anything but 
maybe but also what i mean in terms of canadian political system is like we might not ever be like yeah let's all change this but things might happen outside of our control as a country that is increasingly fragmented and threaded all over the place and not really like local that it might not really be up to canadians even as a kind of whole big unit about what's going to happen and you know canada's always been like the little brother to the united states and kind of followed what's happened there anyway so it's not really that unusual for canada but yeah and it's interesting because like you're talking about the social dilemma documentary or whatever and i haven't seen it but i kind of know what it's about and you know, I think about that sort of stuff, and I wonder how much of it is connected to the internet, how much of it is connected to... I don't know. I mean, honestly, I think it really has to be the internet in a lot. I think the internet has to be the main driver towards the current political changes. The the, the social dilemma does primarily focus on social media. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Reddit, uh, Pinterest, uh, all that. It's kind of really focused on that. But it also talks about how, like, these you know it was these uh social uh social media sites that and platforms that really are actually driving the split between the left and the right and not like how you know you know you hear about russian hackers right and it wasn't Russians hacking the system. It was Russians, use, Russians using the system as it was designed. Yeah, completely legitimately. Right. Like, well, not completely. I mean, legally, you yeah. know, just influencing people yeah. like corporations or whatever do all the time. In, in, in a way that people aren't realizing they're being influenced. Because, like, something I figured out about six months ago before I watched The Social Dilemma, and then it was confirmed when I was watching The Social Dilemma is when you're scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or something, there's a timer that records how long you spend looking at every post, right? Yeah. Every time you look at a post, and then there's like, <laughs> you know, everything associated with that post, there's, it's like, well, it's clearly interest in this kind of stuff, so we're going to show them more of this stuff, right? And then, like, you, they're never going to see opposing views, but they're going to think, like, you know, everyone has this view what the hell are those guys over there talking about clearly they don't know what's going on right and they're just you know people completely use the ability to like critically think right yeah and then there's this issue that evolves of like and like honestly it's much more on this is an issue that arises much more on the left than on the right of like if you follow donald trump i'm going to unfollow you if you follow this person i disagree with i'm going to unfollow you because a lot of people will, like, I mean, first of all, Donald Trump's fucking the president of the United States. It might be a good idea to keep an eye on what he's doing, right? Whether or not you agree with him. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people follow him just, you know, because then you can see people commenting and, like, you know, people follow intelligent people, uh, will follow people they don't agree with, so at least they can see what's going on outside of their own bubble. And... Uh, they had this graph that they showed i think it covered the last 40 years or something of the political split in america like on left and on the right and how like you can find the median of you know sort of political beliefs and like uh I, you know obviously it didn't go over exactly 
how the graph was built but like you know you kind of figure it out like you got people on the far left and people on the far right but generally people are kind of you know centrist and like you know a little bit left a little bit right but then generally everyone wants everyone to be happy right <laughs> and then like there's just like like it's around like 2010 2012 that just like suddenly it just splits like these two the two medians just fly across to the other side uh opposite sides of the graph and one of the things that you know an analogy i've heard before is like if you take two balls and you drill holes in the middle of them and you put them on a stick right and you spin them really fast those balls are going to fly off the end right yeah but you need those two balls on the stick to maintain social order if people go all the way to the right and all the way to the left you get riots <laughs> <laughs> yeah right? well i think i think um well first of all i think like left i mean again this is one of those cases where it's like there's hundreds of millions of people we're talking about theoretically and we're talking about two simple directions left yeah. and right you know and i'm not saying like you shouldn't i mean that's just how we that's like generally how we think about things and it's I think it shows that there's, just a, there's also a problem with our thinking. The fact that we, that's how we perceive the world. Like, I think it, it's kind of like the fact that it's like a life follows art kind of thing. You know, it's like we perceive the world as left and right. And so then that's actually the world that we kind of create. It's not that that left and right has always been there. In a lot of ways, it's that that's what we've created by kind of perceiving it because we want to simplify things and make, draw order and things like that. So... I think that's kind of one of the problems. And I saw something similar to that with this uh, approval ratings of presidents since the 70s or 60s or something. And it's like what you used to see was like the approval rating of president would go up and down a lot more. You know, there'd be like a scandal and it would go way down or there'd be like a big success and it would go like way up. And then it kind of gets a little bit less in the 90s and 2000s. And yeah, then late, I'd say, and then I think like kind of late or early 2000s, late 2000s, I can't remember. It starts to solidify a lot. And then, Obama gets quite solidified, only changes a little bit, and then Donald Trump is like almost no change at all through the whole like four years. Like the approval ratings are almost the same the whole time. And yeah, I think that's the same as that kind of where people just kind of fall into these camps because it becomes that's the thing. It becomes it's not really about the the government or the as a, an American institution, um, but it becomes just this aspect of your identity where it's like, well, it's kind of like a religious thing almost. Like you know, I, well, and you might even be like, you might recognize like, yeah, I recognize that my religion it's not perfect but that's who i am that's how i am I'm not going to be those people over there because you know they may have some good things going on but that's just not me and also they do stuff that i think is horrible so like <laughs> yeah i think that's like one of those problems and then you said about the um i mean it's like impossible i wish there was almost just like a neutral thing you could follow instead of like algorithms saying what you're gonna see i wish it was almost just like some kind of neutral thing i know that doesn't really exist but you know that you could just follow that because yeah it's like it's impossible to really know like you're saying that you i can't remember you said like you try to see both sides or follow people you don't like and stuff but you know obviously there still has to be some kind of bias i don't know what what it is exactly or, or whatever but and it's not even like there's two views right like it's not like if you it's like there's a left view and a right view it's like within each like just in the american context it's like quite clear because yeah i also try to kind of see other sides more often but i think there's kind of like how very simply it's kind of like let's say how the right sees themselves how the right sees the left how the left sees themselves how the left sees the right 
and those are four separate things and they're kind of they, they are each kind of part of one view each but they're also this reason that they don't understand each other it's not like the left sees the right and the right sees the left and they see the same thing that they themselves see so that it's like just a disagreement where it's like no i think we should you know get a a bigger house or no i think we should get a smaller house and it's like you know what the other person actually is saying it's yeah. it's like totally it's like you're not you're not even having the same conversation with each other because you don't know what media the other person has seen and so what they actually what they know about like it's so hard to have a conversation because you don't like let's say you have a conversation about um uh i don't know let's say there's this confirmation of the um amy coney barrett right it's like or amy coney barrett you don't know what someone else has seen about her so it's like hard to even have a discussion because then you might be like oh well like in your head you're like oh well i read that you know she's she's part of this religious cult so that she's that's a bad thing but then on the on the right they might be like oh well um uh you know the, the left thinks that they don't they they don't like her because she's religious well there's nothing wrong with being religious so you're like not actually on the same you're not even having like the same discussion about this person or the topic and that was like you know um that's kind of like you know I've, I've heard this discussed before about how like you know you never really know what information the other person is consuming where it's coming from you know whether or not they trust these sources and i mean you know what sources they trust i guess is a better way to put that and you know 40 50 60 years ago there's only a couple news channels right yeah that's like what i everyone was saying yeah. everyone was getting the same information right whether it was true or not but at least you know people would like at least you'd have a conversation and be like i read that article oh so did i yeah. and then you disagree on it or you know i mean yeah there would only be like a handful of tv stations handful of newspapers handful of radio stations and then just kind of word of mouth for the most part and maybe a couple really low budget flyers or something but not <laughs> yeah. like today yeah yeah um i was thinking about how you know there's only like you know we only talk about in terms of left and right anymore but even when i was in grade 11 i think it was grade 11 it was grade 10 in social studies we took this quiz about like where on the political spectrum do you fall <laughs> but it was uh, uh it was uh it was a two-axis political spectrum it was you know left right and then i think it was like authoritarian or like Liber communist yeah or <laughs> yeah it's like the, the y-axis is authoritarian and libertarian and the yeah. x-axis is uh traditional or progressive kind of they call it so then yeah, yeah you right yeah. yeah yeah i think i remember that and like yeah. i think at the very least like that yeah like that that could be used more often i mean right? you're you're double you're at least doubling the nuance yeah. <laughs> like you're literally doubling it with something as simple you're as squaring that. the nuance yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so it's like you now instead of having two at the very least instead of having two things to talk about left and right or left right and center now you have at least five because you'd have kind of top left let's say top right bottom left bottom right and center so at least you now have a fair bit more nuance but something that's relatively simple and just that alone is like would help a lot in terms of just perceiving the the world we live in really because it's a tool it's really a tool that we use to understand the way we live and not unlike like a religious scripture or ritual or something like that where you know you'd use that to understand kind of your place in the world or how other people are act i mean that's in a lot of ways that's what that is just a tool to help us kind of understand but this tool is so impoverished and abused that like yeah it turns around and bites us but i mean didn't you hear nuance is dead 
<laughs> nuance doesn't exist anymore. You're allowed to have one opinion or the other. And if you're like, well, you know, I agree with this, but there's this aspect over here that maybe I don't agree with. At least I understand it. But like, you know, I kind of want people like pick a side. If you're not with me, you're against me. The thing is, I actually, but it's that's I agree with you. But it's it, what's kind of annoying is like I feel like when I do actually talk to somebody in real life as in not over the internet or something like that yeah. it's like the, there is so much more nuance like you know like i might kind of meet somebody and talk to them and be like oh like i bet you know i know exactly how they're gonna feel about this thing but then eventually you find that that's just that's that they don't exactly prescribe to this this thing but th- that's what i mean like, then we all kind of fall into this camp because it's like okay it's kind of like you know if you could either you know if you if you had to like uh you know divorce me or like what's there's a thing where it's like if you had to choose let's say you're married to someone it's like well if you had to choose me or i don't know marry somebody else like and you had to decide or like who else would this person would be like who would it be and you're like well in your head you're like that's you know that's kind of like a false question because it yeah. doesn't really make sense but you kind of are forced to take a, an answer so then when you have these only left and right even if you have these nuanced views you're kind of forced eventually yeah. to be like well i guess i'm more left or i guess i'm more right and then it's not like you have a place to store your views externally and be like well i, I have these complex views and I, I i identify with this person or this thing because when you look around you externally it's like it's all just like that it's like mm-hmm. it's like well you either choose this kind of left thing or this right thing or you choose ndp or green or liberal it's not like you can be like well I, like there's nothing easy like easy that you can just rely on the society like even just society is organized in just such a weird way with especially with that online the, yeah. like strategies of communication yeah. yeah and like there's this weird idea like as society progresses is like to not put people in boxes and to let people be people but at the same time as that happens there's just more boxes appearing (laughs) yeah and the the edges of the boxes become much more defined and thick (laughs) like yeah um yeah i think like you're talking about um you're talking about you're talking about like talking to other people and how like you're going to go talk to someone and you think you know what they're going to say. Like, oh, well, clearly they got these views and then you talk to them in person. It's like, well, actually, no, it's much more nuanced. But, you know, you know, when they're on the Internet or whatever, it's like this is the persona they have to put on or else they're going to have a bunch of people piling on them or whatever. So they need to, and, yeah. you know, one of the person, one of the people I think a lot about is uh, Mike. Uh, yeah, our old friend Mike. Our old friend Mike. And, like, I'm sure he's still a great guy hang out with and i'm sure he still wants the best for people um and honestly i think most people here who knew him from high school gave him a shot and he just kept blowing it i don't know i had a very specific interaction that most people didn't have with him where he uh started attacking like my friends and family yeah yeah you told me a story yeah i don't um, I don't really have much. I mean, and it's just yeah. like you know. I'm sure, you know. I actually saw him once after that, uh, and you know, perfectly normal guy, wants the best for people. But I don't know if it's just when he gets online. But he seems to have this opinion that being on the conservative end of this very weakly defined spectrum 
gives him the right to be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was his whole thing, the whole discussion, and why he started attacking. Like, you know, if he wants to attack me, that's fine, whatever. But, like, you can't, you know, you can't talk to my friends and family <laughs> that way and expect me to be cool with it. Um, that's just something that came up. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking about when you're talking about how, like, you know, decades ago, there'd be, like, huge swings and, like, uh, presidential support or whatever. Um, I was thinking about how, like, even with all the scandals that has Justin Trudeau has gone through, um, people still elected him. So, like, even if he's going through scandals, people must be, like, happy with the way he's managing things. Well, right? I'm not... I mean, I, I think... I think that's kind of true, but I also think because there's, it's not like it's like our choice is Trudeau or all these other things. It's yeah. like the choice is kind of Trudeau or um, it was what, um, my God, what was his name? Andrew Shear, Jugmeet Singh, Elizabeth yeah. May. Or, and and even that's kind of being generous. It's like in a lot of ways, there's kind of the sense that, well, do you either vote for liberal or conservative? General, I don't know. Anyway, even if you say four, it's like you only have four options still. It's like it's not like you can be like, well, I like the Liberal Party, but I don't like Trudeau. You can't really. That's not even an option. It's not like on the ballot you get to say Liberal Party and this person. It's like you literally you just. I mean, you don't even vote for Trudeau, obviously, yeah, you vote, yeah. unless you live in his riding. But like, you know, it's not like you get any say in like I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of annoying. So it's it's one of those things like so even if you hold all of these nuanced views, it's not like you get to like embody them or actually express work them. with them yeah like exp- yeah. express them at the polls but then even kind of elsewhere because even like when i'm saying this it's like i don't even have the words to use it because it's not even a comment it's like it's just it's like out there it seems unusual to be like oh well why would you vote like for a party and then not the leader you know like it's almost just it's like hard for me to even talk about because it it's not something that's ever talked spoken about like we don't even we don't this is something i think that's missing a lot mm-hmm. like that's what this is why like science fiction i think is really important and society because it's like it's a way to think about other ways of being without being so tied to your actual situation because mm-hmm. if you were to watch something specifically about trudeau and the liberal party and it was kind of science fictiony it would be too distracting because you'd be like well i know trudeau and blah 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 but if it's science fiction you can take that exact same thing but kind of dress it up and then and then it actually lets you think about another way of being another way of living in the world another way like an economy could work or another way you might view gender or another way you might any anything really yeah. like literally anything and i think like in our study we don't that's we, we don't really have that kind of space and like we kind of tell kids to like imagine stuff until they get to like eight and then we're like okay that's enough kind of thing you know yeah. but like we don't let uh, we don't really have space for like older people or like adults to just be like let's think about like what are our alternatives here you know like what are just other ways of being and so we just we don't even have the space to like question our political system without like the very the way the system is even organized like the most we can do is be like i don't like party a so i guess i have to go with party b or c and that's kind of like that's like that's the extent like it's just <laughs> that's so fucking broken it's just yeah it's yeah. just so it's you choose the one you least like the least i guess i mean like it's not choosing the one you like the most it's the one you dislike the most the, the, the one you dislike the least yeah because right? yeah. like every party is going to have something that you don't necessarily agree with right like yeah but i mean what if you like let's say me i was talking about let's say let's just say i really like this 18 year old guy running for the green party but let's say i didn't like the green party 
what am I going to do? So now it's like I have to choose between the person I like or the party I like. Like, I can't be like, oh, I like this person, but I like this party. Like, there's no... Yeah. Like, I like what <laughs> this person wants to do for my town, but I don't like what the Green Party wants to do. Yeah, or I like this person, but I don't like, the yeah, the bigger views of the party. I mean, yeah, I really don't like the bigger views of the party or something, but it's like, it's not like you get to... It's just weird. I mean, we're so... Think about the technology and the tools we have, and then think about how we don't use any of it for our political system except for advertising and manipulating algorithms it's not like we, we use it and we're like oh now that we have computers and now that we have these incredible scientific findings and stuff we can like utilize these things to you know make let people make informed decisions and educate them well and open up these you know direct democracy forums and stuff like that and have let people have a say and instead it's just like let's let people vote using digital ballots like that's like like that's i, I yeah. wonder if you could like <laughs> Take like a server farm or like a computer farm and have them run millions of simulations on different systems. If you could say like, here's what we want, go nuts. Like how many different leaders do we need? Like how many, like what, what's the threshold? Like, clearly one doesn't work but like you can't have a thousand liters either but like maybe three maybe like what's what's the optimal number now run that a million times with you know 37 million people right and see like with like these you know these these parameters where like each one of these parameters has this effect on that and run that for 100 years and then <laughs> slightly tweak it and run that for 100 years like i wonder if you could just get a computer to develop a new political system i think i think so like you can you would just need a really strong computer or and and but also it's not only do you need a super strong computer you i mean it, it depends on the inputs i mean a computer is not um an autonomous thing right yeah. like whatever you put in and you design and you tweak is ultimately it has these i mean it has this human imprints and of course you don't have to worry about you know you can kind of be really wild with it still but it still yeah. ultimately has its problems and biases but that i mean that would be really cool i think we kind of have that in literature i guess but also like kind of ga like gaming communities in some ways it can be kind of these like did like other you know like these economies you know like millions of people are playing these games in these kind of economies like low massively multiplayer games I've never really played them. I don't really know what, but I just, from what I've heard a little bit, but yeah. anyway. What if a computer just runs it all? You mean what? runs like our actual system? No, like what if we just say, all right, computer, you're the prime minister now, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but what would you, what information would you give the computer though? Um, what information? Uh, I'm trying to make a joke, but I can't. Like. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I think we kind of we kind of have that in in a way. Because again, this is another thing where it's like you think people are in control, but they're not. Like I'm sure at you know Facebook, Google, and whatever, it's not like there's people who are like doing things and they're like, I know what's going to happen when I do this. You know, I'm sure there's like there's probably people they get hired on and their their boss gives them a task that's like a little above them. They feel like, but that's because that's just how the world is you know and then they start working on something and they're like oh shit i'm not really sure about this but you know we have this deadline or okay let's do it and they you know they manipulate some little algorithm and now next thing you know millions of people are 
getting their news differently on Facebook or Google is, I don't know, giving people new directions or bring up new search results or something like those have huge changes, but they're so subtle and you would never know yourself. But I'm sure that that kind of thing happens. And, and it's, even though it's a person kind of designing something, the computer is like what runs with it and ultimately does stuff that they didn't know. Cause you can't test a simulation of everything. Like it's every simulation you run, you need to run that. There was another simulation of that thing. And then incorporate every simulation. It's like an infinite loop. Right. So I think there's actually, uh, can't remember if it was MIT or Harvard. There was a, there's a course that people take, like some of the top, like social media designers take that's about, I think it was about monetizing social media. And at the end of the day, that's the problem is the fact that social media has become monetized, right? And selling ads to people. And then those ads aren't just for products. They're for people. They're for news. They're for whether it's real or fake. Like, right. Um, and that's kind of at the, at the core of it all is that there's value in showing people what they want to see, not what they should be seeing. Yeah. Um, which... Uh, but yeah, like totally, like you could, like, I mean, there's a million sci-fi books about a programmer making something and it just completely, you know, running rampant and not like, not being prepared for what it does. That's what Terminator is, right? <laughs> like just yeah. completely going beyond your control. Um, yeah. Oh, what was I going to say? <laughs> there it is again, pen and paper. <laughs> I was like about to say and then. Was it about the um, um, the the course at Harvard? Uh, oh, I don't know. It'll social come. media It'll come to me. monetizing. Oh, oh, yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, I was gonna say I don't know how long we've been talking for. Probably like two hours or something. Uh, two hours and eight minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's a um, fucking time machine in here. <laughs> time just disappears. But it's still two hours, and we have. I was thinking, like, we haven't spoken about money basically at all. I don't think we've said the word money even, and I think that's that's really interesting because it's kind of the elephant in the room that we haven't spoken about. I mean, all we're talking about all this stuff. I know for the last hour at least, you know, we've been talking about society and stuff. So, and we haven't spoken about money when money is, in a lot of ways, the organizing principle of our existence. It's kind of like trying to talk about a religious system and not talking about God. You know, really though, it's yeah, like, no, no, you know, totally, like it's, agree. it's kind of like talking about like, oh, how are we going to reform this religion to work with our modern times and not talking about the, just the fundamental existence of God itself or whatever that means, you know, what should you change that? Should you get rid of that? Should you, you know, like we haven't spoke like, so yeah, I think that's, that's a big missing piece to all of our discussions. Is that everyone wants money? Yeah. Well, that money is what, yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much everyone wants money. Everyone needs money because without money it's, it's very difficult to, to exist yeah pretty much like you can't exist without money there's only like 10 years ago that it was made illegal to live in the bush in bc you're not allowed to live off the grid in bc really you have to have like a social insurance number you have to have like you know government has to know who you are oh right but but then i mean there's always the thing of who's enforcing the laws you know like if you really if you really want to, you could go live under a tarp somewhere in northern BC. Yeah. No one will be able to find you. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, people would kind of find you, but, like, what are they... I don't think people would... You know, like, like some forester guys come through and... I mean, I guess they could destroy the forest you're living in, but then you could move somewhere else. <laughs> somewhere else, you know... I mean, BC has... T I mean, mo most places in the world you couldn't do this because it's, like, very few places in the world have as much space as BC. That's actually, like, 
somewhat habitable. <laughs> so, yeah. But anyway, but aside from, but but even still, see, that's what that's what's like that. Even in terms of money, let's say that like, we don't, we're not even equipped. Again, it goes back to my idea of like thinking about other ways of living in the world. It's like we're not equipped to think about money and how to change it. Sort of. It's like it's only we can we only think about manipulating how money will work. Maybe be like, oh well, let's or not how it'll work. What we do with it, so it might be like, oh, let's divest from oil companies and invest in clean green energy, and or or it's like if you don't like the way things work, or you don't like money, we'll just go live in the bush. You know, it's kind of like, or it's like, oh, you don't want money? Huh? What are you a communist kind of? Yeah. You know, like that. That's that's pretty much the or range like of, universal of our basic income, you know. Like, yeah, you know, I give mean, everybody money. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a lot of ways to think about. Money. I mean, I think universal basic income is quite radical because it change it kind of changes what money but i think it's i think in a way universal basic income doesn't it just doesn't change money enough like it's like to me it's like it doesn't here's what i would think for universal base universal basic income this is my platform if i were to put universal basic income i wouldn't say like okay everybody gets two thousand dollars a month what i would do would be like okay you get this kind of credit sort of so like if you want to live in a house or in some kind of shelter it's like you can here's one for you that you can live in and just exist in Mm -hmm. you're allowed to like exist in the space without paying kind of like we have libraries right that's like the a library and like some parks are kind of like one of the few spaces you're allowed to just exist in without paying money and and even still if you're like really poor or whatever you kind of aren't allowed to and you're only allowed to exist there for a certain amount of time anyway not allowed to be there between dusk and dawn yeah (laughs) yeah things like that um but yeah, so it's like instead of having, it's almost like we're trying to, it's almost like identifying a problem with our financial system and then being like, well, let's just put some more money into it. Like, it's almost <laughs> like we have this problem with the financial system. Let's cleave it a little bit and be like, we'll keep the financial system and everything. However, we'll create this other kind of space that has less to do with money, sort of. So like, I don't know. I mean, this is, it's kind of more radical in a way, but it's sort of like either you construct some kind of housing that is habitable, but that you don't have to pay for, or it's just like you kind of get housing credits or something like that, food credits that everybody gets. And that there's quite a kind of, and the, the thing is it has to be boring. Like we, 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 this is the thing we take for granted and that we like, we can't imagine living without this ridiculous variety of things. It's like, well, I want universal basic income because you know, then I can buy whatever I want and I can buy, you know, these fancy veggie burgers or I can buy, you know colorful things and a variety and, and it's my choice i choose exactly what i do with that money but it, in a lot of ways it makes more sense to just be like we'll we'll create some basic housing for people or we'll give you some kind of credit sort of so you can live without spending money or a very small amount of money and then for food it's like we have food that you can eat for free but it's going to be boring it's going to be cheap it's going to be boring that kind of nutrients exactly so it's like then the government you know provides that for you and it's like if you don't like it well you don't you don't have to take it then instead of being like well let's get print a bunch of money inflate things create more problems it's almost like let's just create that kind of zone because then if you want to be a kind of poor starving artist you can be but you're going to be basically poor and starving but you're going to be alive and you're going to be able to exist kind of in society like that almost makes more sense than change like i don't know it's almost like you're just like creating more problems by like changing the financial system and adding this basic because if you don't address the underlying issues then it's not going to change like yeah you can give everyone two thousand dollars but then i wonder if you went if you went that route of like instead of doing the universal basic income you do like the like here's a container house we made a a dwelling out of like a shipping container 
right? It's got windows. There's a bed in the back. There's, you know, a hot plate, you know, there's running water. It's hooked up. Like, you're going to be comfortable, right? But you're not going to – it's not going to be lavish. And, like, you know, here's the food. Here's the here's the food bank where you go and there's food. And you go and you get your food. You get your rice. You get your tuna. You, or tuna's probably more too expensive. <laughs> I mean, tuna's pretty cheap, but, like – whatever it is yeah whatever it is you get your meat you get your rice you get your veggies right um and then but i wonder and then you have like the separate society of people who make money i mean part part of the whole like universal basic income which you touched on and would also be supported in, in this idea is that you get more people pursuing the things they want to pursue and then maybe in time they maybe in time they like overall society is happier right and then you know people get money through their art people make money you know if they like to do finances if they like to do management right yeah um but i wonder if you'd somehow inadvertently create another system of trade in the lower i mean i don't want to say lower class but the non-working class well, yeah, you'd have to, but I, I mean, I, I wasn't for my idea at least. I wasn't saying like people would you only exist in that area. Like well, you no, could I still, mean, like, you'd still, you could still contribute to the you know market well, economy you'd still and whatever. Choose like. whether or not you want to work. Right? There's still jobs. Right? Right. Yeah, but I mean, you also then. And then if yeah, you want to, you, I mean, if you want to make money to buy more than that minimum, then you can. Right. Right. So instead of giving them money to buy that minimum, you just give them the thing to begin with. Which I guess on the one hand you're kind of taking away choice, but if you're choosing not to work, uh, you maybe should be allowed to have all that extra choice because like if you don't have the money to have choice, like you know, I can't afford to buy a Ferrari, therefore those options of choice that my choice, my options of what car I can afford, yeah. are much smaller, right? The, the options of car that I can drive, but like, you know, I wonder if like not necessarily trade, but some sort of new economy, some sort of proxy for money that would maybe eventually prove to be more valuable than just money right yeah, yeah I mean, that's definitely Paul. i mean yeah i mean this is that would be huge trying to implement <laughs> oh but, i think you definitely yeah i mean it's it's like it's hard to see what the consequences would be and i haven't done like a lot of reading on the universal yeah. basic income pilots they do although i feel like they're always a little i mean you kind of can't pilot something you just kind of have to you have to just implement it because it doesn't make too much sense otherwise but it's it's interesting yeah. because like small towns like uh in places like powell river like trade is actually a pretty big thing like people are like i have this thing and you have this skill or i have this skill and you have this thing or we both have a skill or we both have a thing i don't necessarily want to give you money but like you know people go fishing and they're like you know in the last two weeks, I caught eight salmon. I don't need that many salmon, but I want my hair cut. Right. So yeah. I'll give you a salmon, you cut my hair, no money is paid. But like within these small, like you could never go into Vancouver and be like, I want you to cut my hair and, you know, <laughs> I've got I'll go mow salmon. your lawn. Like, <laughs> like that just, I mean, I, there's some apps, I think like TaskRabbit or something. Maybe that's a different thing. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, there are a small group, like people in Vancouver who, you know, but yeah, it's not like a, universally understood yeah like way of doing business like uh there's some restaurants like every year like there's a big like mushroom foraging community in powell river 
and restaurants will be like give me your mushrooms and you can eat here for free you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) stuff like that so i think that's pretty neat yeah but yeah money is money is weird i want lots of money (laughs) i want lots of money where i don't have to work anymore and i can buy all the things i want and i have a giant house (laughs) and i've got another house somewhere else and i got a cabin in the middle of nowhere oh wow I was thinking about that. Like, I've always had this idea that I would love to have just a really big, fancy house. Yeah. You know, you see, like, celebrities with those giant yeah. houses. You're like, there's four people living in that home. You don't need that much room. <laughs> four people is, like, one person, <laughs> part-time. <laughs> uh, but, like, what if you, like, I just live in an apartment for the rest of my life, and I invest in a cabin in the middle of nowhere, right? Like, Riley's cabin. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, that's kind of... And know. then I just go there on weekends. <laughs> well, the thing is, once if you own land, you kind of, in a way, you have a lot less to ever kind of worry about. Because yeah, you're you're probably always gonna have to pay tax on that land, and the land most likely isn't productive enough to feed you yeah. enough. But on the other hand, it's like you have. I mean, it's kind of like the universal basic income thing. You now have a significantly reduced. Like if you outright own land, and at least if it's like a few acres or something, it's like you now have significant significantly reduced stress load of like des- like a need to to survive you don't have to do nearly as much like think about it. you really only to just like kind of to survive and live you just need food a few kind of little luxuries to keep you sane and like some art yeah and that's kind of it so it's like really it's kind of all about land <laughs> really, especially <laughs> just, like you're saying there's so many people so it's even more about land we just have all the money and land yeah um oh, what was i gonna say when we're talking about money and one thing i often think about uh in terms of taxes is the fact that every time money gets changed his hands it gets taxed twice yeah like i don't know if i talked to you about this before but like when you buy something when money changes hands it's typically something is being purchased and there is a sales tax on that money and then that money is going into someone's pocket and that money is now income for that person and is getting taxed again yeah. so every time like a dollar gets passed from one hand to another it's minimum in bc 12 percent of that is going to the government and then depending on how much money the person who got it makes it could be anywhere from another no percent to like 30 percent <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well i think i mean technically if you really think about it, all pretty much money. I mean, it, it's all taxed eventually. It's kind of like when you think like how many when you drink a glass of water, like how many people have has actually have actually drank this water before. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like that for money in a way because it's like you could then say, okay, well the person, okay, so you have money, you pay sales tax when you buy something. The person, the store owner, who's who you just gave the money, he now has to pay income tax. The person who processed that money, his accountant, whatever pays income tax and some fees there's more sales tax then that accountant you know and the money itself goes to the government that's the tax money well that money now goes into somebody's pocket who works for the government and gets taxed (laughs) and so on and so it's kind of like technically it's sort of it's like always splintering between like people going splintering between different people's pockets and different amounts going towards the government in some way and then i mean that's why the movement of money is really all government kind of needs to to, or like an economy needs to stay healthy and active really it's like it kind of doesn't matter what 
people are doing as long as the money is moving around people right then it's like everybody has money because then not only but think things aren't only taxed twice but the money itself multiplies even if it's not because um it's like debt right it's like if you have debt you've created more money and you can do more things with it so now it's like i have some money and then i pay something with you with my debt but now you do have money and the money mm-hmm. gets taxed it goes to the government you can so you actually extend the amount of things you can do with money and even though that money doesn't really exist it's just kind of like this this theoretical thing that we sort of abide by you know so that and it just you can get you can get things done with fake money you can go and you can get your haircut with fake money basically like with but you don't own that money you have it's debt well it's like it's debt you know so it's like you don't really have that money so it's like but you can get your haircut just with the promise that somebody will get some money and then you know in a stable society like this one they will get some kind of money but anyway but the i don't really know i'm i don't know enough about economics really to explain it, but i understand like you get taxed twice but also money itself multiplies from it's kind of like that from perspective you put a camera on people's foreheads they're actually technically people are sharing the same money and they're each using it but it, <laughs> like, did, with, yeah with that thought it comes back to the whole like there's too many people <laughs> because the only way like you know an economy can like you know stay stable is a money keeps moving around but also needs to keep growing well yeah that's the that's right. money's right. goal i mean okay. <laughs> money has become this monster that has somehow created its own money <laughs> <laughs> it's all its own end game of just like <laughs> just getting bigger and just bigger being in every single facet of society yeah one thing i used to think about when I was living with my parents and now that I live on my own is like every single thing you look at money changed hands with someone like whether it's that pen or that glass or that blanket or this apartment, like money changed hands. Right. And some of it was my money and some of it was my parents' money and some of it was Sarah's money and some of it was Sarah's parents' money. Some of it was tax money. Some of it was tax money. (laughs) Since I work for the government, a lot of it's tax money. One of the one of the things I think about that's kind of nice about working for the government is that like I know that the work I'm doing isn't benefiting someone else like directly like when you're an employee for someone yeah when you do work the money isn't it's going to someone above you and then it's coming back down to you right yeah uh, whereas like in the DFO when I do something good and I make you know I help making a change nobody's like directly profiting off that maybe like there's some harvesters that now like have access to something that you know yeah but it doesn't mean somebody's not benefiting just because they're not profiting but, well I mean no profiting I guess would be that not benefiting but like you know I'm not busting my ass so someone else can make money I guess you know right yeah I mean I don't know exactly what you do I mean but yeah I guess yeah, I mean, I see what you mean because you're not tied directly to like a c- corporate yeah. profit-driven sort of sector. Yeah, yeah. And also, the income tax I pay just goes back to the person who pays me. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, which you'll eventually collect in the form of pension, hopefully. Eventually. Maybe. Yeah. Probably not. I mean, if you if you <laughs> if you work for more than six months, you get some level of pension, and I can collect it at any point. Uh, if I think I don't know what it is with the DFO, but with Environment Canada, it's probably similar. 
if you work for 35 years and you're the over the age of 55 um, you get paid when you retire you get paid 80% of your salary Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> which is nuts yeah it's, a, it's crazy now like, some of these pensions I've, I've been hearing some yeah about some pensions where people are getting like 70 80,000 a year whatever, and it's just like I mean and if I mean if you're working in the government for 35 years you're it's not unlikely that you're in the six figure range oh yeah right yeah. like come on <laughs> yeah probably, <laughs> I mean probably yeah um yeah that's not so like there's always a part of me that's like should i just stick with it <laughs> for 35 years yeah, it depends but you can't think too much about you know what you're gonna do when you're i mean you should prepare for like your 50s 60s 70s whatever but like also not that i don't know you can't only kind of think about retirement sort of like, but 35 years i could do it's kind of a sad situation but no that's that's the thing yeah. it's like it's like that's way too fucking long. That's way longer than I've already been alive. I mean, you want to do some things to make sure that your future self will thank your current self, but also you don't want your future self to curse your current self and be like, why didn't you do this I, or whatever? I do you that know? all the time. Yeah. For <laughs> so. one very specific period of my lifetime. But um, yeah. Uh, it's weird. Cause, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> desk jobs are it's like even now like i think about like my contract goes for another i guess almost a year and a half yeah year and a half maybe a little less and i'm like that's a long time <laughs> i feel like you've been working this job for like at least two years already uh i started <laughs> december 16th last year <laughs> yeah two years <laughs> uh yeah it's not that long honestly it's i know that's the thing it's like probably gonna but also at the same time i've already been here for a year so like and it's kind of flown by largely because of covid and i'm really hoping my entire contract i'm just working from home that would be so sick <laughs> um a lot of people don't like it but i'm like man i'm saving so much money not transiting I'm saving so much time like i finish work and i can like go for a bike ride right yeah. i don't have to come home first right i can take a break and go for a walk not in the city like sometimes i do that but it'd be like i'm just walking around downtown this sucks <laughs> like there's nothing relaxing it's more relaxing in the building because at least it's quiet yeah right there was a really good fried chicken place right by where i worked though. it was a food truck it was so good so good. yeah but then you'd be spending all that money all the time on the fried chicken truck i only went there once uh... <laughs> well you're only there for like one day so <laughs> yeah, I only went to the fried chicken truck once. Um, How good could it be then? Probably not good. Well, I did it right before everything shut it down. It was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> um, before earlier today, you were talking about like your experience with COVID and how like I don't know if that's something you want to talk about on the podcast, but just like how fucked up like <laughs> i'm down Can, uh, i'm gonna get some water though yeah sure yeah. we'll uh yeah. take a quick break grab something to drink let our vocal cords yeah. slow down and, uh, yeah, that's been pretty fun yeah, we'll this. be back all right we're back um yeah talking on microphones is weird it takes a long time to get used to it um <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm used to it now. This is yeah, for my professional uh, political career now. Yeah, yeah you're going to have to... 
You're gonna have to do political podcasts. That'll be you never do any like speeches in front of people. You just do podcasts. Nobody knows what I look like. And yeah. <laughs> just... you're, you're. What if you go out? You just wear like a balaclava with a black balaclava with a white question mark <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, in this new position you have, you were talking about like just all the shit that people are dealing with due to COVID. Um. There's some stuff you can't necessarily talk about, but... Well, it's not really stuff with my position per se, but just things I've seen in general in, in the world since coronavirus. Also, like, being a student and just seeing things on, you know, Facebook and the news and what people talk about and stuff, but... I just Samsung Galaxy 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. The, the world has changed, and I think... It's like earlier we were talking about how people adapt, or I said something like people adapt really quickly. It's like, it's almost like as much as people talk about how like, oh, things are so weird. Like they're not, they're not really like engaging with the fact that it's weird and like actually thinking about how, I don't know. That's not, I guess they are. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the, the, I just think it's really weird how with our online working mm-hmm. and learning and teaching and stuff that like suddenly people are expected to do things way different than they ever were. And like, I don't know that, uh, I guess that we just, as students and teachers and learners and workers that we like, just let these weird changes happen that I think are questionable in terms of privacy and other kind of rights and just obligations and responsibilities that you would never have put people in such positions, um, in physical, Mm -hmm. in the kind of physical working and learning contexts. Well, I mean, like, one of the things you mentioned, and I think I can mention this, is, like, the fact that students aren't allowed to get together if they choose to, like, even physically distancing. Yeah, well, so it's, like, people, well, the university can't, like, stop people from forming of their own accord and stuff, but, like, it at the university there's no the university doesn't really sponsor like like sponsor or support at least not that i've seen in like different areas within the university like all classes are online pretty much all activities are online very very few people ever go to the university like the actual campus and a few students kind of live on campus but there's no like classes really on campus there's hardly any study spaces at all that are open there's like the student union building is open that's pretty much it in the library and you can like book some spaces but like there's no support really from the university, even for people living in Vancouver, like to, to get together at all, even though, you know, there's all these questions about like mental health and stuff, but then nothing really seems to kind of be done about that. And students will be like, Oh, like I'm exhausted. Online learning is hard. And then it's just like, okay, moving on, you know, never instead of like, trained, never been trained how to learn online. Yeah. And then like, suddenly we're just in this new, like, why does it have to be a hundred percent online? suddenly like i'm not saying we should open up classrooms or or that kind of thing per se but it's just kind of weird that like the university just it just wants to like wash their hands of it and just like not have any responsibility i guess if something goes wrong and yeah i guess the the the, the, they have two outcomes one someone can get covid because they're not strict enough or everything's online because they're too strict like oh no i just think that like I mean, I guess if students want to get together, they could just be like, fuck it, we're going to get together, but... 
but it's kind of different because like norm may nor in a normal i mean as for as long as learning has existed you know there have been common spaces where people can meet the only kind of common space that exists now are like these zoom meeting calls basically which count as your class or maybe you you know you can make some to meet with your classmates just to talk about stuff but like you know yeah sure people can meet on their on their own but it's kind of weird that it's like they almost have to like hide it like I, i get the sense that even if students were doing that but if they were really like loud and proud about it sort of that they'd be like oh well you know you like you know um some students aren't able to you know take part in these activities so it's not really fair so we can't really you know support these or advertise any kind of actual like event let's say or or something like that which to me it's like but there were always (laughs) i mean like there are always students that would leave the country for some period of time like i feel like in the past couple years like classes being recorded and put online is becoming like quite a regular occurrence to the point so that people don't necessarily have to come into class to consume that information right to consume that lesson yeah but see that's the thing education's not really about consuming ideally i mean i think it kind of is but it's sort of that's kind of what it's become where it's like yeah you consume a lesson in the way that you read a book but really i mean if that's i mean university education is not just read it's not equivalent to like reading a book you know you read a lot of books but then you're supposed to engage with those books and speak about it and challenge it and do a whole bunch of other things but um i guess i feel like this is somewhat off topic but i've always felt like the university experience is never what you get out of university is never like discussed properly you know like in high school like or college as well just like you know oh well you go to university for four years you take your lessons and you have your degree and then you get a job but like like you said that's not what university is like it's an aspect of university and a fairly large aspect of university but if you actually want to get anything out of university you should be engaging with the professors you know volunteering in a lab or like in in some sort of study position or like uh supporting a professor and doing something whether you know i don't know i don't know how that manifests itself in the arts but you know in the sciences where i come from that's you know working in a lab that's do you know and in the arts as well you know co-ops and stuff like that and like nobody ever talks about that being what really to me the quintessential university like or not quintessential the the most positive university experience with the most benefit out of it right like you can do a co-op and make money and learn on the job and gain experience and then you go to your classes right and then like you know you know for science like you do need to go and consume that information that's the only way you're going to learn but then like if you one of the things that bugs me the most is when people leave university and they're like university didn't give me the skills i needed to get a job outside and it's like okay well you're not a kid you're not eight right (laughs) you're an adult it's now your responsibility to pursue these things right like there's posters plastered all over the place about co-ops and there's you know every and obviously this is different in covid times but like i mean you can still get it i'm sure there's still some consideration for co-ops oh yeah no there it is yeah there's still a co-op there's still like student jobs related to 
and like you uh, know, university yeah, every every course i ever took at the beginning my professor was like this is what i'm working on if you're interested come talk to me i love to have like everyone yeah. you know professors love love it when their students engage with them because you know like someone who's had a phd for 12 years doesn't want to be teaching a first year course <laughs> like that's boring to them right but if they have students that come in and they're like truly engaged in the material and want to know more on a higher level that's why they're teaching yeah well, that's engaging and rewarding because then you you actually see some of the fruits of your labor sort of because you actually get a chance to sort of more directly mentor a yeah. student rather than kind of seeing 50 people abstractly or you know yeah. Um, yeah and you know it's just it's always pissed me off when people get on they're like you know uh you know people want two years of experience and then but i can't get any experience because i don't have two years you know you see that vicious cycle and oh i paid so much money and i didn't get prepared it's like no you didn't you chose not to you chose to party and you chose to do the bare minimum you'd show up for class and then you'd go back home and you'd study at home like that's on you you're not a child anymore like you're just pointing like you can't ever stop and look anyway pisses me off yeah there's definitely i mean yeah there's i mean there's such a range of people i'm sure there's people like that and i think your experience is a little different than mine and in a way but i definitely have met people where it's like oh there's no there's like no jobs and then i'll mention something i did and they're like oh like i didn't know you could do something like that and it's kind of like well did you look at like the ubc job board <laughs> you know that kind of thing but but i also i mean it's also is very can be hard to get work and i think we, people of our generation were set up with these grand expectations where it's like you know if you like we're like watching you know things on tv or whatever it's like if you, if you dream it you can be the astronaut you can be the president if you want to you know save the the rainforest you can do that and then i think we had these huge expectations sort of and then i yeah. i i had i had a friend get angry at me because i told them that you shouldn't call your kid like your 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 daughter or like your little sister a princess because it puts expect it, it, it puts this idea in their head that they deserve <laughs> more than they've earned <laughs> they didn't earn that title of princess no. they're just a baby <laughs> you have to earn any princess who's ever lived has had to earn it exactly like, there's no baby princesses <laughs> like you know you had to work hard and prove to your subjects that you deserve and when i was a youngin you had to be voted against the six other parties <laughs> <laughs> i had to work so hard for my privilege as a princess oh. um, uh yeah, no, that's, I mean, like, and, you know, back to my kind of my earlier point that, like, you know, I think maybe, maybe that solution needs to be, because, like, one of, some of the bullshit that you're told in high school is, like, you know, oh, well, you get penalties if, like, you hand in your homework late or if you show up for class late, like, oh, detention because you showed up for class late, like, 10 times this month. And it's like, we're just preparing you for university get the fuck out of here <laughs> especially the first two years your professors don't give a fuck if you don't show up for class if you don't hand your homework whatever right they don't care it's a class of 250 people you're one yeah but maybe what they're training you for is not that the professors are going to care per se but that you should care kind of you know they're trying to instill good habits in you but then they should frame it that way i mean to be honest <laughs> if high schools were actually gonna prepare you for university 
I mean, I don't know. For my degree, it's like prepare you for like, they'd be like, you barely have to speak English. Like, <laughs> just show up. That's it. There's nothing. No step two. <laughs> so I mean, if you just want to pass, or I mean, it's like I mean, you. I don't even know. I was thinking about this recently. Like, how hard for my degree in the arts? Like, how hard would I have to work to to fail? Like, if I show up, you know, like obviously you can fail if you never go. And if, but and if you never like do the assignment, as long as you go and at least do some like something of the assignment, like you're gonna pass. If you even just like do like like the, like like the tiniest amount of work, like you could literally like like final paper or whatever, you could write like you could literally probably write like two or three pages and pass. Or you could write like six pages of just some rambling whatever stream of consciousness thing, you'll pass. Like literally, as long as you hand in anything, pretty much you'll pass and it could be like broken english broken formatting like i've seen some i've seen some shit and it's pretty <laughs> shy it's like whoa like sometimes i'm like you know like i'll be like oh how did i get such a good grade like you know like i worked hard and you know it's okay but like this could be way better i'm like yeah these gradings are too easy and then i see like sometimes some other people's work i'm like whoa <laughs> you know and obviously like there's lots of other really smart people too but the expectations are just like they're just so, you so don't, low your degree didn't have like gatekeeping courses no, in my degree, we there was there were th- only three. Well, I transferred, but there were there were really only three mandatory courses. There was like one hundred, three hundred, and four hundred in anthropology, and you had to take those courses. Otherwise, you didn't really have to have to take anything. And there's like no prerequisites, so like you can. So there were a bunch of people coming in on in the, the so-called kind of higher level course, like 300, 400, you know, and they are more difficult. They are higher level in a way, mm-hmm. but there's no prerequisites. It's not like, or very few prerequisites. Like to take 400, you have to take 300. To, and to take anything, pretty much, you have... No, that's not true. There's pretty much no prerequisites, honestly. Like you, So there's people from all other departments coming in. So the thing is then you don't have like a basis where it's like, okay, all the students coming into my class, whether it's whatever, 250, 340, whatever it is, it's like whatever topic it is it's it's pretty much never like oh well, i know that they learned this stuff so now we can kind of move on from that it's just kind of like let's start from the ba- from the basics kind of thing oh, like man. it was i don't know i mean in some ways i make it making it sound worse but in some ways it, i'm not really it's like because like i'm hearing this and like there's this uh, there's this unfair bias in the science about arts degrees and like kind of how bullshit they are and not like not necessarily on the individual level because obviously there's people like you who are really engaged in what they're doing and arts covers a whole swath of things from like yeah everything pretty much (laughs) (laughs) anything that isn't science is arts is basically (laughs) um but like there's this idea that's just really just easy to graduate and everyone who's taking arts degrees is just partying they're up until two o'clock in the morning drinking they don't have classes like for some reason arts degree arts classes start at two in the afternoon yeah, yeah they don't put them i have in the to morning. go to calculus at eight thirty. like what the fuck is it's totally backwards yeah totally i've never backwards. really it, uh, it is very unusual like there were some there were some terms where almost every class in my department was only on like tuesday and thursday like it was like impossible to schedule your my classes because it's like they're all at the same time because i guess the professors also just like want to have four-day weekends and stuff so there'd be like very few like i feel like i'd see like science classes like sometimes i just look at random things like i don't know just for fun you know and i'd be like oh what's like math 200 like let's see and it'll be like 8 30 to 9 20 monday wednesday friday and stuff like that and then my classes would just be like man like wednesday 3 to 6 p.m or whatever like just like little things like that and 
yeah it's <laughs> i went yeah I went quite convenient to, for those of us i took the... i took an archaeology class i think i told you this before i may have mentioned on the podcast <laughs> but like it was it was thursday no it was mondays uh from 4 30 to 7 30 and the first two times i went i was bored out of my fucking mind i was like it was painful how like slow and it was like introduction it was like archaeology 101 basically yeah right it was like 130 or something and it was like ancient civilizations and like i think i studied for a total of two hours for that whole semester and <laughs> i got like a b plus but it was like the first two classes were so boring i was zoning out i couldn't fu- it was dumb i was like you know what make this so much more interesting if i got stoned first <laughs> so i'd go and before the class started i would go uh, uh i'd pick up subway and i'd get snacks and i'd eat my subway before the class started then i'd go out uh, i'd smoke some weed <laughs> i'd go to class with my snacks and a coffee and i was so engaged and interested in the shit that they were talking about that's not a bad idea it was like watching a documentary but being able to ask questions and shit <laughs> like, interrupt was, the documentary was, pause right there it was so good <laughs> yeah no i think i definitely wouldn't say the classes are not interesting the ones i took at least and i'd say there's i mean obviously there's there's gonna be times when it's not as interesting or but i would say like from it's not that the topics weren't interesting and it's not even that like professors aren't yeah. interesting people or, or whatever it's just like so much of it, it's just that it's so i don't know it, the expectations can just be very low but also it's very it can be really really shallow you know like for me i'm like okay university like i want to get deep i'd rather get deep into a topic and miss a whole bunch of other things than just be really shallow and not get really deep and that was kind of my problem with a lot of things it's like we wouldn't really like let's say there's like a book instead of like reading the whole book it would either be we just read a tiny bit or it would be like okay guys you have to read the whole book and the rest of the class is like we're not gonna read the whole book <laughs> we're just kind of gonna pretend and just like bullshit and the professors would never they would allow they, they'd allow people to to bullshit basically even if it's like clearly you got it like like a clear fact like not an interpretation but literally just like you know you know this researcher like what did they think about um you know the kinship of this community or something and then they're like i don't know someone will oh brian like what do you think or whatever then total random bullshit answer and the professor would either just be like try to build off of it somehow or just be like um no actually i think this or like it's just there was a lot of stuff kind of like like, that get the fuck out brian (laughs) (laughs) no and there were like there would be times when quite i mean nobody did the reading like myself included you know and it's like really clear to a professor be talking about something and then try to elicit some kind of response and everyone just like sits there kind of like and then somebody might kind of say something that's sort of related or you know but the thing is most people they just kind of skim it a little bit and we're allowed to do that like i would have way rather if they had stricter like analysis and interpretation stuff that we had to do and really engage with it and they would kind of check on that more to make sure everyone is learning rather than like submitting like um you know like so much reading that like clearly people aren't really going to do and that you can't really engage with deeply like i'd rather engage deeply with something but that's that's why but, you that's why you took the university experience once like you worked with professors a lot outside of yeah outside oh of yeah course. and that's like again that's what university is supposed to be it's supposed to be like you know that's i mean that's that's kind of the pitfall of an undergrad as an undergrad as you do you spend four years doing this thing so like when you go to do your master's you can say well i've got a good 
base knowledge. And you know, like in, in science, having an undergrad degree in science is you're not a scientist. You just, you can comfortably say that you have a good basal knowledge of your field, right? And then if you want to dig deeper, I mean, honestly, like anybody who's really into it will do what I did, do co-ops, work with professors and stuff, right? And then you can really, really dig deep in your undergrad yeah. and then go into your master's and like, you know, really right. get in there. Um, yeah, but <laughs> even master's, honestly, like I took some, I took, well, just think like one master's class that I took was like, I was like, okay, this is really cool. Like I got, I kind of got permission to take this class because, you know, I, asked whatever and I was like, oh this is going to be cool for me you know take this master's class and it was just like the people were basically undergraduate students and like they that they were just didn't really know what they were doing didn't know what they were interested in like still struggled with kind of basic things and I was like this is like a master like it's like that's it's always that level it's kind of like when you're like in elementary or middle school you're kind of like okay when I get older this and then you kind of get there and like I'm, it's going to be so much you know, it's going to be so intense and it's going to be you're either... surrounded by people who are interested. Yeah, exactly. And then you kind of get to high school and you're like, okay, well, maybe like grade 12. And then, you know, there's the odd time and whatever. And then you're like, okay, university, this is it. You know, and then you get to university and there's some stuff for sure that's really cool and whatever. But it's not, it's still not, for me, it's still not really as deep as I'd like. And then you like take a master's class of like that and you're like, even a master's, like, it just makes you like really jaded where it's like, like, I don't know. I mean, it's like, why, why... Like, what happened? Like, why? I mean, if you're, like, in your, like, mid-20s or, like, 30s even and stuff, you know, when people are, you know, people work or whatever, they come back to school, it's like, and they're still kind of, I don't know, to me, like, a master. <laughs> like, when you're taking a master's, like, you should be at a level of, like, Here's the competence and, I know a lot know. of scientists who are fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> like, having a, a degree or some letters before or after your name, like, doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Um... But I mean, like in in science, there's this concept of gatekeeping courses, right? Um, and in biology, the gatekeeping course was organic chemistry, right? You have to take organic chemistry one, which is really hard, and organic chemistry two, which is almost impossible. <laughs> like, like, like C's across the board. Like you know, you have to be a special person to get anything above the C yeah. in organic chemistry. But uh, I mean, I guess that's the difference. It's you know that you know it's challenging like i was challenged quite quite often in my degree um and you don't necessarily have to seek out that challenge as much but you still need to seek out the experience of engaging with science right what what science and the scientific method is at its core fundamentally right and learning the process because like you can you can read about you know you develop a hypothesis you test it depending on you test it again like you can read about that and you can like understand <laughs> it but you can never really like implement it until you've done it yeah right? well, you can't really understand if you haven't actually interact right. with it because then that's when you understand its true complexities and challenges and but like you know and i mean i think it, in you know i guess maybe in the arts it's a lot easier to just kind of like you know, you get a lot of people from, especially international students, but just students in general who, like, parents are like, as long as you're going to school, I'll give you money, right? And, like, very wealthy parents, like, I'll pay for your apartment downtown and give you a really expensive car. And then they're like, okay, great. Well, I'm going to go to university. And then suddenly four years is gone. And, like, 
they have this degree that they don't know what to do with and their parents are like well you're not going to university anymore so i'm gonna stop giving money like but wait i'm gonna go do a master's <laughs> like, there's oh, okay. more well then like <laughs> like i know someone who went back and did another undergrad <laughs> yeah like um i mean there's and that's in science as well yeah. like you know they came back and did another undergrad in science and um you know you just you do just get those people who don't really embrace the education that they're there for right and it's kind of why i tell a lot of people that you know post post secondary education is kind of a joke unless unless you want to be there yeah it's really up for in my experience it's really up to the person themselves like i don't know it's sort of hard to describe like what a four-year degree is like in a conversation like this but like i mean mine was a seven-year degree because if you you want if you want to get anything out of well yeah mine was more but i mean you know that whatever it is like four years worth of full-time learning kind of thing like yeah it's really it's not like i didn't interact with a lot of really smart people and it's not like i'm the smartest person or i was the smart you know but I mean, that's kind of the other problem. Is like, I, there also isn't much interaction at all with other people in the class. Like in my, you you kind of talk to people, but you don't really like work with them on meaningful things. It would just be like do a presentation together, mm-hmm. some, and then it's just kind of like something you don't really care about, or or it's just kind of frustrating. It's not really, yeah. It's, it's basically, I guess, it's just yeah. It's really so much up to you as the as the learner and you know and like people like for me like i i'm kind of a perfectionist so like i'm working like i felt like i didn't it's not like i was like partying all the time or you know like i was like working hard like like too hard really and, you and were, like you were you i was were doing so much other stuff to too learn, yeah and i was also right? you weren't you weren't going to school because that's the thing you're supposed to do which is kind of where the, the the public school system fails is that you know oh you you go to university and you're gonna you know that's what you do you go to university and you get a job but like they don't tell you that you need to want it right <laughs> like yeah you know and that it kind of goes back to my whole idea of like the american dream and being it the american dream being very weak and like really kind of like uninspired i guess right well you, you did you graduate grade 12 cool okay go to university get yourself a job buy yourself a house <laughs> You know, live happily ever after. He's like, he's fucking, like what, like what, what, what makes you tick? <laughs> Find that first before you start paying twelve thousand dollars a year. You know, eight thousand or whatever it is, or like forty thousand if like, you're <laughs> if you're in the states, or if you're an international student, or yeah, you know, figure that out first, and then maybe if it lines up with something you could learn in university then like you know figure figure out how to be an adult figure out how to take responsibility for your yourself instead of just moving that responsibility from grade school to university and then getting out and being like but i wasn't taught how to do any of this stuff (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i agree but i also think universities bear some of the the blame but i mean at what point like you know you can have you know Posters are everywhere for co-op. Professors are like, I'm looking for volunteers. Uh, There's clubs days. There's like uh, work days. There's like, you know, um, career days. There's, you know, there's lab days where you get to go and get tours through all the labs and what like, you know, but like at a certain point, you can't just put a leash on every single student (laughs) and drag them through. 
right? Like, unless you make it a part of the requirement to volunteer, but then, like, you can't... There's still, there's... Well, okay, where the university bears some of the blame is that they accept, like, not every student can... Even if every student really wanted it, not every student can go and work with professors on a cool project or do a cool co-op thing or work on some cool club team. Or There's just too many, especially especially in the arts, because, like, on clubs days, let's say, for example, <clears throat> for me, like on that kind of arts perspective there's not really as much like i feel like sometimes i'm kind of jealous like oh i see these like engineering clubs or whatever and they're like yeah join us we'll like build a car and whatever and it's like i don't know maybe there's a way i could contribute but to me it seems like not really so there's a kind of cool project like that and you know and there's and there are a lot of students that do some cool stuff but there's just not enough and it's not like every professor has all these positions going on all the time in my experience at least like you said professors that they'd be any other term would be like oh i'm working on this if you're interested to talk to me like that, Maybe they don't have as much that was like not oh yeah there's not near as much funding in the um like social sciences that being said and student volunteers aren't getting paid but um. yeah no I'm, i mean i'm not saying that there's not a lot of experience that not yeah. then more students couldn't kind of do more to help their yeah. degree but i also think like universities accept so many students i mean they accept so many because universities it's just a business and they want to make money they want more students so they can get more money and that's kind of it it's not like there it's not like there's any kind of social contract between a student a university and the society being like if you finish this program um you know there's kind of something in this field waiting for you like in terms of anthropology i mean i knew this going into it but it's not like the world needs that many anthropologists per se like anthropology as anthropologist is like a job term it's like that's basically only professor really like it's more of a wide-ranging thing that you can apply in different ways to different areas but it's that's not really something that's I don't know. I mean, it's like they just kind of have these programs because then they can make make money with the programs. The more students you have, the more government funding you get, the more tuition money you get, the more money you can put towards research, um, the more you know professors you can hire, the more administrators you can hire, the more random little pet projects and stuff you can have. The the UBC is so obsessed with their the rankings all the time. It's like people people at the university could be like dying in the streets, and the you know pre- the leaders, the administrators of UBC would be like posting something like oh ubc you know ranked number 34 in the world or the things like like there's ubc so obsessed with their image that that's that's really what they're going for because again it's not really like a for-profit thing it's not like they're getting profit for stakeholders or something it's kind of like the more money goes in towards their prestige really as an institution and you know and ubc does a lot of great research and stuff but it's not it's not really like when you see those rankings that that's really that important for you really as an undergraduate student unless you did something like i didn't get kind of lucky and also work you know to really interact with these professors but there's not it's not like every student did you get lucky though because like i talk to you sometimes and you're like yeah i just walked in i was like hey i want to do this thing and you're like you know like oh yeah there's tons of money available for students to use that students aren't taking advantage of and i guess maybe the failure of the university there is that they're not telling the students about it um which I guess, you know, I never did any kind of field school or anything, so I don't really know what that extent is. But as as far as... No, there are... I don't know. I mean, it's, it's... I, mean I, I had... A, I mean, the thing is, if I didn't have... Like, if I didn't do some of the projects I did with professors or do some international kind of work or make some of those connections, like, if it was just... Yeah, just the classes, I mean, it would have been quite a waste. I mean, it's like not like I didn't learn stuff in classes or, like you know, write some interesting things or have interesting and whatever interactions. But for over four years, I mean, you can, 
do a lot of things with with like yeah. not that it even was four years but you know what i mean like yeah. with whatever however many, however many years it's like but you had you yeah. had the intelligence and the wherewithal to recognize that I yeah mean, i was like if i'm gonna I if i was like yeah if i'm gonna take this saw very soft <laughs> undefined kind of degree i need to just hit the ground running and yeah but but i think that's but to be honest i think that's how a lot of people feel you kind of have to be a little overconfident i think to like to join a program like that and then because you kind of have to feel like you're going to be in the top percentile sort of thing of students because otherwise it's like where you you know you kind of have to be like if it's very unusual for you to be very successful in terms of like a career within that kind of anthropology area specifically unless you like really kind of work hard and And i guess uh, again that uh, that kind of falls back to the pitfalls of like great school of not being like only going to university if you want to be there right there's so many people in university like there's so many people who go from like (laughs) (laughs) they start year one in sciences be biology physics chemistry whatever in the hard sciences and they're like i want to do science and then they do like one or two semesters and they're like fuck everything about this and instead of leaving school they're like i'm going to go to the arts (laughs) right (laughs) because the 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 thought isn't well maybe school isn't for me the thought is science and and in some cases that's totally true yeah right sarah's got a friend that went from biology into english and she now has her master's and she's loving it and it's perfect fit for her that's great but for i would say the majority of people like grade school did it wasn't like only go to school and of course, you know, there's also obviously a lot of pressure from parents um, to be like, you gotta go to university, you gotta get your education. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything anymore because one, like, I think more than 50% of people in Canada have like a post-secondary degree, right? It, yeah, it's, well, it's kind of becoming like a rite of passage. I mean, I think also if you go to university and you end it and you're not like, okay, I know exactly what I want to do with my life, it's still not necessarily the end of the world. I mean, it's kind of not ideal, but in the grand scheme of how bad things could be or like bad decisions to make it sort of still not the worst in a way but it's it's sort of a missed opportunity for me instead of like okay don't go to university it's more to me it's more like reform the university i mean to go back to the original topic we were sort of talking about in the second when we came back from the break about coronavirus it's like you know all i really need to see is like how little the university really cares about its students in this coronavirus situation as well as its staff faculty to see that the university could be more responsible about the way it you know administers its operations its classes and, and its do other they, things do so they send out like email correspondence about like mental health and like that's all they all that, that's i mean that's all they do in terms of like that's it really it's just like some men, you know, mental health and they'll be like oh you know if you want to talk to somebody or something and they you know have some fun set aside to talk to some yeah. I don't know person there's like some phone number and you know but there, that's actually a lot of controversy at UBC because they it's like really long wait times and stuff and they were you know in the last few years trying to improve that stuff but still basically like kind of useless because you know it's just people I know who access some of those services like yeah you know I go with a problem they can't talk to me for like a month and then after that they're like oh you should just see a you should see a therapist or something so, you know and it's kind of like okay well, what's the role of the university and in a way yeah I mean they're not like your your doctor but also you know it's like I mean, the fact that they use Proctorio, have you ever heard of that? Have you ever used that? It's like this, this software. So 
this is when I was t- telling you about that due to COVID-19 oh, mini yeah. project. Yeah. There was one where I was like, okay, you know, a, a student goes to class and then it's a, for an exam and they're in a physical classroom. And then there's these weird people, these men like covered in black or something. You can't tell who they are, what they are, but they like search all your stuff. They rummage through, they check like where your eyes are looking all the time. They check how much you're breathing. They you know look they're looking over your shoulder the entire time because that's kind of what proctorio is so it's basically this exam invigilator thing that you as a student you're like depending on the class it track your eyes yeah it tracks your eyes so if you like look up it's like oh this person could be cheating and it like flags that so you either get a punishment or like somebody comes on your screen like hey let me see and you have to show you have to show them your room so like if you're here so you actually have to Uh, physically show your whole room and be like this is you know that i don't have anything cheating whatever you have to have your camera on your mic on so they know people aren't talking or whatever um and people will randomly come in while you're doing your exam to make sure that somebody isn't else isn't in the room suddenly and things like that and it and it like um what's the word Ru- like it like installs something on your computer so you you can't like it tracks oh. everything you're doing on your computer and it also can access stuff on your computer and it's like the universe does i mean it's such a huge privacy problem and also like when you take these courses um let's say you sign up on september 1st and then the drop deadline is like september 17th or whatever and then after that you'd get a W on your transcript or after that, or then after like October 1st, you get a failing grade. But in some cases, students don't know that they're going to have to use Proctorio in order to pass their exam until like later in October, let's say right now, October 20th or whatever. So it becomes a, a thing where it's like the student has to either have their privacy completely um, demolished, or, you yeah. know, whatever the word is, like basically have their rights invaded. abused, yeah, invaded, all this kind of stuff or they're going to fail the course like you, you those are your only options really because you didn't even get a chance at least if before you register for the course you yeah, knew that that should definitely be See, it's such it's such a problem and there's a staff there's a, this ubc staff i haven't really been following this last couple of weeks but there was a staff member who was talking about all this and he was like this is messed up you know and there's this petition and all this stuff and it's like the university like they they don't they just don't they really don't care they don't care about that they don't care about like zoom you know this all these like security problems and the stuff stored in the united states it was only stored in canada recently like a month ago or something with this new account you know all these problems like literally they just they don't care but also just so unprepared you know it's not like the you know uh, it's just it's i just see my thinking is that this is a good opportunity to do away with tests Tests don't do anything, and that's been proven. Yeah, well, over that's what people over. are saying. It's like, like te- yeah. there's no use for tests, and like at least maybe like I could say like in the sciences, you have to be able to test people's general knowledge and what did they take away from this, so that when you take the next course, that this course is a prerequisite of. There's like some, you took away at least fifty percent of the knowledge that you're going to need for the next course, but even in science, it's kind of bullshit, because fuck you know what i did i took three or four courses a semester i finished those courses and i forgot everything and went and took the next one <laughs> yeah. like there's not enough room in your brain to be able to remember all that shit so it doesn't matter you just you just study you learn it and then the stuff that you find interesting that's the stuff that you record and you remember right yeah this i don't remember I don't remember a whole lot from my courses. What I do remember is my experiences in co-op, my experiences working with professors. Like there's some things I remember in my courses that I, I really thought was cool. Like molecular biology and biochemistry, like almost every class I learned something that blew my brains against It's the impossible. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, how could there not be some 
grander design. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but tests are dumb. Tests have always been dumb. And it's been proven time and time again that they, they don't mean anything and they don't represent anything. Especially when you put someone... Like, it's bad enough being in a room of total silence and, like, people, like, staring at you and, like, <laughs> trying to make it look like you're not cheating and, like... But, like, I can't imagine the amount of stress of having a piece of software, like... Yeah, it's not even be able to, like, for me, when I think I, like, like to look up, especially, but even other directions, you know, but imagine, like, feeling like you can't tear your eyes from the screen. Like, you have to literally just look at the screen. I mean, it's just, it's so unnatural, you know, and just... But, you know, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, UBC didn't have to, you know, keep pushing through... um, this year and you know accept all of these foreign students and do all th- well they did but they in an ideal world they didn't have to but because you know it's like well they have to keep making money that's you know they pretty much just have to keep offering these courses even if it's like significantly lesser experience you know they don't change the tuition at all uh or yeah and then they you know pretend that the courses are kind of the same you know and even the testing and yeah, it just it seems like a nightmare from kind of everyone I've talked to. Like, you know, professors are doing way more work too because they also have to a lot of them have to do like two sessions instead of one now because they need ones for international students who are signing on, you know, from Asia or something so they do a class at like 8 p.m. or something so that those students don't have to get up at 2 in the morning or they have to like record a session and then or you know, it's just different. They like they record a session so that students can kind of do that on their own time, but then students are like, "Well, I don't want to have you know, my t- class is 2 to 3 p.m. or whatever." So why do I have to do another time? Anyway, it just seems like kind of a mess my, and the university is all, all not prepared. All of my dad's courses have been pre-recorded. I should talk to him about it. I think he pre-records all of his all of his lessons just yeah. for that reason. I wonder what SFU is doing for that, for like, for monitoring tests and stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, that, well, that's the thing. The, the university, there's no... I mean, Proctorio is just one of them. I've heard of other ones. Some people don't use it at all. And, yeah. But just the fact that they even... Uh, I don't know. The fact that they would even go in that direction and just allow these softwares to just... And the fact that someone <laughs> made that software. <laughs> like... Well, it makes money. I mean, yeah. why not? University probably spends a huge amount of money on these licenses. Yeah. And then, you know, the next sad kind of thing is that Canada is just techno- tech sectors nothing i mean it's just nothing so anything we get is obviously some american thing and then i don't know but there's so much time i mean you you know this happened in march and then these classes are in september now at least if over the summer and stuff they worked on it more but it's like still you know we started like in september there were some classes we're using this um there's like oh everyone has to use this thing called collaborate ultra and then a couple weeks later they're like we had we can use zoom now and it's like why didn't you why wasn't this organized earlier like just man the first the first few months of covid in the public sector was just the directions on what you could use and what you couldn't use what the privacy was an issue like oh this is locked out of your computer but we recommend using this but when you (laughs) use this you can only use like you can't use video you can only use audio on this one and we're going to lock this one completely (laughs) out because this one there's some privacy concern on this one and the way that zoom stores their password we don't want to let you use those because those are easily accessible and it was just like such a shit show for so long (laughs) And like, you know, like, oh, if you're connected to the VPN, 
then you can use these things, but if you're not connected, then you can't use them. It's like, oh, for the first little while, you could still access your email if you weren't connected to VPN. Yeah. But then there was this privacy breach, and now you can only access your email if you're connected to VPN. But the connection for VPN is so shit that sometimes, like, <laughs> sometimes, like, the connection for VPN is so shit, my computer doesn't realize it's connected to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> like, no internet connection. Yeah. There is, I know. It's like, it's like connected, <laughs> no access. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get that sometimes, yeah. Yeah, well, it's just like putting out fires, like... Yeah. Which, I mean, on one hand, I get, but it was just, like, people have been working from home for a long time, so, like, they had, like, they had a f- infrastructure in place, but not to that level, I guess. Yeah, but like, this is this is what I mean. Remember earlier tonight we talked about, like, political change in Canada, and I was like, you know, I don't think it's going to be internally driven. It'll be, it would be some external thing for our whole system to change, but that's what's happening with this. It's like... In some ways, people want it. They were like, this is kind of silly. Why are we commuting all the time? Why are we wasting time in these physical meetings, whatever? Let's just work from home. But it was like everyone, you know, 95% of the country was like really reluctant to do that. And now this external threat of the coronavirus has kind of forced forced this to happen. So in some ways, it's sort of like a natural hmm. develop. You know, it's kind of, it's not like this is really something totally new. It's kind of like kind of the world in its way being like, the fuck are you guys doing like you know but but i think it but i think we've taken it to such an extent now at the university like i was saying and something that it's like now it's like you literally can't even meet in person you know with any kind of sanctioned like yeah. ability just because you know there's these international people like people who aren't in the same city would be left out and it's like well i mean it's a canadian university it's supposed to educate british Columbians and canadians and you know it sucks that foreign if you know some foreign student can't be in canada studying but also like why lessen the education for the domestic students like it's just it's so wrong it just doesn't make any especially since the hope is that canadians will stick around here and like yeah it's just but it's just i mean it's just a it's a money thing basically but also but the thing is like pay so much the foreigners pay so i don't know if we're allowed to say foreigners anymore but (laughs) the foreign students are allowed to pay so much money or they have to pay something yeah well the, the whole yeah the whole honestly the whole university system in canada basically it couldn't exist without foreign tuition now for whatever for whatever reason numerous reasons but also the whole canadian economy pretty much is also propped up by the housing market which is partially tied to you know foreign students coming i mean immigration right um so yeah it's kind of that's it's pretty it's and it sounds kind of conspiratorial but it's honestly true there was a who was it someone in the government was saying talking recently just about the canadian economy and all he was really talking about was the housing market he's like we have you know the immigration he's like our target was 350,000 immigrants this year um you know and it's been a lot slower but we're still getting 17,000 immigrants per month um you know to try to hit the target of at least 200,000 to to keep up the housing market and he was like almost- literally only talking about the housing market and it's like think about it we have that's like a percent. Oh, yeah, that's like yeah. a one per- growth ever. Okay. Well, that's how much. I mean, yeah. the immigration can has been at least two hundred fifty thousand a year for at least the last fifteen to twenty years, I think. Um, but yeah, and then since the liberals came in in twenty fifteen, it's gone up a little bit every year, sort of until now. The target's like three hundred fifty, but this year it's not going to happen. But thing is, there's still like immigrants and you know are still able to move here and it's not like that should be stopped necessarily entirely but like to have such high targets because if the housing market collapses the entire country collapses (laughs) like the fact that it's like we have to have immigrants here to prop up the housing market keep it 
um, rising. Otherwise, people who would, haven't saved enough in their lifetimes and putting all of their eggs into their their house as their you know basket or whatever would collapse. It's like, damn, that's pretty crazy. When you think about the number of Canadians don't who don't have jobs now are out of work and then to still need that immigration because everything is in the housing market. It's and there's it's just such mismanagement. There's so many people like, who don't even own houses there's like there's like a disproportionate number of people who own a lot of property and yeah. rent and like there's no like incentive to not have people do that and then with airbnb like i've got like i've never done airbnb ever yeah. and you know i hear so many people complaining about the fact that they can't afford housing and then go out and pay for an airbnb <laughs> and like you do realize like you're shooting yourself in the foot yeah, right. but that one, per, I mean, it's true, but also, you know, you you can't entirely not cooperate in the system. You know, it's kind of like the argument, like, oh, well. I mean, you can. You can just not get an Airbnb. You can go to a hotel. Like, <laughs> true. it's more expensive. No, true, but I mean, that, the problem with, but you're putting the onus on the consumer, really, because, I mean, Airbnbs, because they don't have, because they're not regulated in the same way a hotel is. They're much cheaper. So as an individual consumer, it's like, why wouldn't I spend less on this Airbnb and then and stay cheaper and then have more money myself? And I, yes, that would make a tiny difference, but it would be so negligible in the grand scheme of things. Really, it's not up to a consumer to be like, oh, I'm going to spend more money on a hotel so I can support the hotel industry. Who gives a fuck about the hotel industry? What you care about is the housing industry, the housing market, really, well, so that people can live. And then it's really the government that needs to step in and actually do something. It's like... The, the main thing is that, like, if anybody has an extra home, why would you ever rent it out to a tenant and instead of doing yeah. an Airbnb? It just doesn't make any sense. Financially, Until coronavirus mentally, came in and was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, <laughs> like, it, like you just, you don't, like, your Airbnb renters have no protections. And, I mean, on the flip side, you also have no protections from how your Airbnb renters treat your house yeah but, but you'd also don't really have many protections with a regular renter anyway but the renters but. have protections from you exactly yeah right so why would you ever do that yeah right like and i mean like there there are like clauses like you go in when the renters leave and it's like well what the fuck's all this damage and then like if you can prove there was da- their damage then the renters have to pay and then obviously with airbnb if there's really some really intense damage then like you bring in litigation, you get lawyers, and if you if you can afford an extra home, <laughs> you can probably afford a lawyer. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I just really really don't like Airbnb, and like yeah, like the onus shouldn't be on the consumer. But at the same time, if you're complaining about the way, I guess I guess in the in the, in the grander scheme of things, if you're complaining about the way the world is, what are you doing to? How how are you changing your life slightly in a way, or big or small, to affect how that, like, to make it so that at least you're allowed to complain about it? <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, you know, okay, like, the housing market's fucked up, and there's people out there that own 12 homes, and they're charging way too much, but there's a ton of houses out there that are just empty and being rented out to airbnb and like while you're complaining about not being able to afford your home you're going out and you're encouraging this person to like <laughs> yeah airbnb but if you're using an airbnb you're usually going to be in a different city right i mean i guess people whistler don't really airbnb town, in their own like, yeah i guess yeah like whistler or something but right? yeah i just think that's a pretty small like it's it's true what you're saying 
and it's you know it's very idealistic and yeah. but it's it's not as it's not as important as petitioning the government to do something about it really because the thing is even airbnb let's say airbnb as a company decided you know what this is not ethical we're going to stop you know somebody else is just going to step in and fill that yeah. gap so it's like really the you know the only two options are consumer well three options one is every consumer kind of decides you know they wake up one day and they're like we're not going to use airbnb anymore because it's not right for the people in the city of barcelona when i travel there or whatever <laughs> i mean that's just that's so unlikely but I mean, anyway it's not going to happen. The second one is the government would have to step in and do something. Or the third one is an external factor, like coronavirus mm-hmm. comes in and is like, nah, people aren't really going to travel anymore and use Airbnbs. <laughs> and Yeah, because it's a big problem, like, and, you know, for those people who literally over-leverage themselves because the interest rates are so low that they're just like, oh, well, I might as well buy more properties and then, you know, just put them up on Airbnb. So there's, like, so many little apartments around Toronto, for example, I was reading the ones below 500 square feet have that's the only property that's actually gone down in value everything else has still gone up but those ones like less than 500 square feet in downtown toronto core you know normally it's like students tourists um travelers things like that in airbnb but now people are actually trying to like dump them because they're they can't use it and they're so over leveraged that they can't service their debts because they're so i don't even remember how i got an airbnb (laughs) that's it's just like I don't know. It's something that I think about a lot. And maybe it's affected me because, like, you know, Airbnb does make travel more affordable for a lot of people. Maybe that's a good thing. Is that, you know, like, you know, someone, like, staying at Whistler is stupid. Impressive. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. And, like, if you can get, like, you know, a dozen friends together and rent an Airbnb, then maybe you can afford to go and spend a week at a Whistler. And maybe that's, you know, that's that's something you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. So maybe, you know, that's, that's a benefit. Um, and like you're not moving to Whistler anyways, and how's you know how's an empty <laughs> house on Whistler in Whistler affecting the market? And you know, like I'm sure at least thirty percent of the houses at Whistler are empty at any given time. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more than that, especially not in the winter. Yeah, I think very few people actually like li- actually live in Whistler. <laughs> you know, it's like most of those houses are just, and it's kind of a resort municipality or whatever, so it kind of makes sense. But yeah. yeah. I guess we were t- before that we were talking about like the coronavirus being an external factor of like and like immigration and like housing. Um, I was gonna say something on that note, but I got completely no. sidetracked. I think we're both uh, pretty tired. Yeah, um, let's call it there. Uh, I think we're at three hours and twenty minutes now, so this is probably split it into like. No, multiple all, episodes all goes out of one if you're gonna listen to it you commit you got yourselves here all right um, well if anybody listened to three hours of this you I'm know impressed. they're getting better as i do more of these <laughs> the first few uh are only manageable when sarah and i get real drunk <laughs> um we, we did a couple where we got really drunk and did some but uh yeah uh you did good talking into the microphone um, yeah it is a little weird yeah well um, we got in quite a role there for a bit yeah. it i mean i don't know i like i like sitting down and just talking is something that not a lot of people do and i'm sure it's something you do uh a lot more than the average person yeah i talk with myself yeah here, <laughs> talking about external factors and how the government is running shit Oh, dude, the thing is when you think, when you're, like, thinking or just talking to yourself, 
that's like this took us three hours, but this would take me like ten minutes in my head. <laughs> so it's like you just you cover just gotta, way I, more I, ground. I, I just can't keep up. Yeah. You're just like, <laughs> come on, Liam. No, no, no. I, but yeah. no, no, no. I don't mean yeah, because no, of I don't, you. I, I just yeah. mean you know when you're in your own head, like how yeah. fast everything is. But. That's what uh, float tanks. Like going doing doing a float tank and yeah. like completely removing all external input. Your brain just like. And it goes so fast; it just ends up moving back on itself. It's, it's insane. Anyway, uh, it's almost midnight. Yeah. Good night. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for joining me, James. It was fantastic. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me, uh, Liam. No more wasted days. No Woo! more wasted days. I'll. I'm definitely have you on again. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, until and until next time, stop wasting those days. <laughs>